the bridge, past the mills, past the stacks. On a gathering storm comes a tall, handsome man in a dusty black coat with a red right hand. Welcome to Neighbors Trash. I'm Paul, and Kelly and Joe are here, and we have special uh, guest, <laughs> Kelator. I didn't Joining know if you us. wanted me to say anything or if you were going to introduce me. Yeah, I, I just want to jump right in with the introduction so nobody uh, feels left out. This is our panel for the day, uh, the four of us. We've talked about Simpsons before, and today we're going to be talking about Scream 4. Since there's four of us, we decided to go with Scream 4. And also, it was the next film <laughs> in the series. Yeah. So... That worked out so well. I know. I feel like we should have added one person each time. The first one should have been one person. <laughs> and then the second episode should have been two people. And then we did three for the third. So that works. So um, let's, uh, let's start off how we always do. So uh, who, who feels like they're the most familiar with this one? I watched it about three hours ago. Okay. Would Big you like thing, to but I think Kelly might be the most familiar overall. Okay, I think I write. I probably wrote the most notes because I'm I'm trying to write all the beats now because we always get mixed up on like what happens next. Yes. Yeah. yeah this, this, and, sorry, go ahead, Paul. I was just gonna say there's a lot that happens in this one, so I'm glad that you did that. Sort of. Um, I came in. <laughs> <laughs> I came in a little late in the movie because I had already watched. I started watching it like a few weeks ago, and it just picked up where I was. So I think I missed okay. a few scenes. Oh, okay. I think it helps that this one is like maybe the most memorable plot-wise. Just like from it really one... is. Yeah, right. Like it really sticks with you in a way that like even number two didn't, and I like to. I agree with that, and I'm I, so, yeah. I was just gonna say I think this is probably like I know this is towards the end. We'll talk about it, but I think it is the best second to scream, like plot-wise and how it moves-wise. Yeah, I would agree with that. I guess that's I, just me. No, no, I really, I really <laughs> like Scream Two, and I have a soft spot uh, in my skull for Scream Three. But um, <laughs> Scream Four, yeah, like that's I, for for me, it ranks number two right now behind the original. Are we it's doing this movie. first off? Because I, I was going to save this, but if we want to go ahead and jump into <laughs> it, <laughs> uh, well, I was really just saying, I'm sorry. We got to save the ranking of the killers to the end. Okay. But maybe a little bit of this up front. I don't know. Get ready, right. listener. Great movie. No, I'm 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 great for it. So I wanted to say personally that this is this is number one for me. I'm so wow. excited one. for this. And as I told Kellator earlier today, it gives me the confidence to move Scream Two to number two, uh, oh, wow. which I did not have the confidence to do before this. But I like this one so much that I have decided to change my ranking to four two one three, and that wow. four two one is very close. Uh, three is a little bit more distant, but there—that's that's my current ranking. Hmm, interesting. Well, I, I already knew this, so it's not really interesting to me. But I assume to others. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I mean, I of course haven't been on the first three, you know, podcasts, um, but I have seen the first three movies several times. Um, I tend to watch them all in a row um, when I feel nostalgic. So I don't know. I haven't really ranked them before. Uh, I. Hmm. This may be controversial, but I actually really like three. Um, I do too. 
That one is probably my favorite. Oh, wow. Um, okay. It's kind of between one and three. Those are both like up there because one is the original, you know, but I just something about three. I just really enjoy um, four. It, it's going to be those those two at the top, one and three, kind of depending on my mood. I OK. Guess. Um, and then four is number three. Two is last. I really don't like number two very oh, much. OK. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Um, which yeah, I, I'm surprised to learn that you all, you know, thought it was um so good. I mean, there's parts in it that I do like. Um I, this my killer ranking may be different than my movie Why ranking. don't you give us your quick one, two, and three killer ranking? Leave four until the end of this one, but what is your your okay. one, two, and three? Um, well, I mean, I guess I have to go with the original at number one because it's the original, you know, that kind of sets the tone for the rest of them. They're the OGs. Two, I'm kind of split because I think one killer is really good. I love Billy's mom as the antagonist. That's great. Don't know why the other guy was there at all. I don't, even, <laughs> I don't remember what his name is even. Like he was Mickey. just such, okay. He was such a non-entity that I kind of don't even really need to talk about him. <laughs> um, Kelly's boiling right now. <laughs> I'm very sorry. I, I liked Billy's mom as the antagonist. I thought she was great. She gave a great performance. Um, but yeah, the Mickey. Mickey. Okay, yeah, not not my favorite personally. Um, and then you know, three. I really like the movie, but I think the killer probably makes the least amount of sense mm. of the three. Um, so yeah, that's that's my killer <sighs> ranking, I guess, of the first three. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't know why. Love three. One of my favorites. <laughs> I know you feel differently, Paul. Yeah, yeah I think but, it's a good time. I like three. Yeah. I had a good time with it. But if we're being, I think if we're looking at these like critically or like in this discussion specifically, I just, I have a tough time um, ranking it highly, I guess, just because it didn't make a whole lot of sense, I thought. And I yeah. didn't like the reveal. And I just, we talked about this last time. Yeah. So I, I, to be fair, I might just enjoy it because Parker Posey is in it. And that's that what we do. all said. Yeah, yeah, she's, last she's time. Great. Um, but anyway, that's the killer ranking. I will allow us to move on to let the others rank it yeah yeah all right kelly why don't you start us out by kind of walking us through four okay so i haven't seen um the actual beginning of this in a while but i know it has three openings because you get um two sets of girls two sets of girls two sets of girls all kind of doing their own intro to the movies they're supposed to be doing the intro to stab the mm -hmm. stab movies so you see the beginning and then you kind of get faked out and then you're like, okay, this is the beginning. And then you get faked out again. And then you get the real beginning with, um, I don't know who either of those actresses are, but the long haired blonde girl and then the shorter hair blonde girl. But then before that we had Kristen Bell and I think Anna Paquin, was that her? Yeah. Um, and then the very first one was Lucy Hale with somebody else. Yeah. Two ladies of that era. I could not tell you anything about them. They, they look vaguely familiar, but that's about it. <laughs> Apparently, I was reading trivia, and I guess each one of them was the star of a show at some point. So I know that Lucy mm. Hale was in Pretty Little Liars. Uh, Kristen Bell was Veronica Mars. Mm. I don't know who the other women are. I know uh, True Blood, Anna Paquin. Yeah, she was in that. Uh, I think one of them was in the 90210 reboot, maybe. Okay. Uh, but it, that's not important. <laughs> it doesn't but matter. they all do a great job in these little intros. My favorite one is the Kristen Bell one where she kind of like has that sadistic like beginning. Mm -hmm. So that was fun. Um, and I guess the Lucy Hale one was originally like way longer and more gruesome. I guess she like got hung from like the ceiling fan in a cut scene. Huh. <laughs> so like it was like a whole thing that they got rid of for her. But 
Mm-hmm. Any, I don't know any... how do how do you guys feel of the three? Uh I don't really <laughs> have any thoughts about the beginning, honestly. I I think I was telling Paul this earlier. I don't really like the beginning of this one very much. I understand what they were trying to do. Um, you know, just show that they're the stab movies. And the first time that works very well when you're just coming into the movie fresh, um, you know, because you keep getting faked out. But for me, like having to go back and watch it again, I was just like, okay, when are we going to get to the actual movie? <laughs> like, I, that was kind of how I was feeling. But I think it does, does pick up after the intro. Uh, since I've already shown my hand and said that this is what my favorite, I, I liked everything that happened in this movie, including the beginning, which... Because the first pair, I was like, that's a pretty lame opening. Like, I was like, that doesn't that doesn't work. That doesn't feel very scream. It's usually longer. They usually draw it out. And she just kind of got it like right away. And then like, because I, I should say I'm going into this. I think I kind of remember seeing this one time. Um, so I this is almost like I'm watching it for the first time. Um, and... I yeah I felt like it's like the first pair is like oh that disappointed and they pull out and I did think I was like okay that's a little you know gimmicky whatever like it's scream that's what they do and then for some reason when they pulled out again I was like oh yeah okay I get it <laughs> like I just that third time I was just like I'm ready like this is this is fun I'm having a good time and I just like I liked all the little I like how it kind of feels like it's like they're watching stab and it's just it's not like I said it's like it's not as good like because it's you know it's not scream it's the the movies and like in the, in this universe i feel like the movies are not really treated like i know like the the movie club likes them and everything but it kind of feels like they're they're sort of like a little hackier and a little bit le- like they you know they have all the the nudity and the stuff that kind of scream mocks and in their like when they're showing it so i just kind of feel like it's a little i don't know like hackier and a little bit more like the old slasher films the ones they're actually doing so um i First did of like all it. paul it's the cinema club what did i say the movie club it's just something they say in the actual thing uh because she calls it <laughs> the movie club too <laughs> you guys you guys are so on board and ready for this <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> i have just watched this once <laughs> Uh, I'm with Paul. Uh, I think this is, uh, I'm, I've, I've been on record as saying that I think the first movie has the best intro. Uh, I think this is the only movie to surpass it. Uh, yeah. When they do the second movie within a movie thing, you know, the the second reframe, uh, it's like Sideshow Bob stepping on that 30th rake. Yeah. Uh, that's when it becomes good again. Uh, the, the first reframe was like, eh, okay. And then like Paul was saying, when they do the next one, you're like, okay, that's, that's funny now. Yeah. Um, yeah, they pack a lot into it in the very beginning of the movie. They, I think it, it also is a statement for what's coming in the movie. You know, obviously this has been, this series, this franchise has been very concerned with and vocal about the meta narrative about horror movies and specifically slasher movies, talking about the rules all the time. You know, having one character essentially narrate what's going to happen uh, throughout the course of the movie and all that. And this movie seems to say, you know, uh, let's take that and not only drive it to its absolute maximum to absurdity, but also like you guys have to learn now that we're, you know, seven years hence from the last movie and things are going to be a little different this time. Uh, seems to say that the meta has changed. And I, I like that about this movie. And I think it's a very fresh angle 
And it's one of the reasons why I enjoy this one so much. I will say uh, the stab movies, what a journey. Cause the first one is like a kind of accurate uh, portrayal of what happened. Uh, yeah. Cause that it's based book. on the book, right. On Gail's right. book. Yeah. But then I guess by stab seven, they, it's like a, it's like a scary movie type franchise. Now it's like, it's doing epic movie. Uh, Cause it's like, Oh, look, this is a, a funny thing with like kind of no buildup. <laughs> like, That's true. Yeah. Like, Mel just stabs her in the gut and is like, shut up and watch the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tonal shift in this franchise. But anyway, uh, I thought it was great. I think it also like taught, like, I think it's supposed to teach us that like the whole new way of doing the voice, uh, ghost face is different in this too. Cause like it kind of makes it more accessible to be anybody in the group because like, everyone ha could get that app on their phone, uh, phone mm -hmm. essentially. Yeah, that's true. It's open to any, basically any adult person could, yeah. you know, could acquire the little app thing and the, the mask and stuff. Cause it's like, it's out there. It's just a costume now, instead of like, you'd have to go looking for the mask originally. Yeah. So Did, does anyone remember having apps on those phones? Like I remember having those phones, but I don't just remember them having like yeah. apps. This is only 2011. This yeah. is only but like that's that's fairly far along in the app world like 2007 <laughs> okay <laughs> uh, am i getting am i getting defensive because i had a job in 2011 which included having a smartphone and apps on it maybe okay that's fair, fair enough fair. yeah I mean, in 2011 i think i still had the flip phone. i had a flip phone like, i think like i did too yeah. so. okay nice <laughs> I could, I mean, I could text on it, and I think I could yeah. play Tetris, maybe, but that was basically it. So. I, yeah, I had an apple picking situation in Chicago where a guy walked up to me, and he's like, he did the, what, do you have the time thing? Like, want you to pull out your phone so you could grab it. And I pulled out my phone, and he goes, oh, you know what, never mind. And just walked away. <laughs> yeah, man, 2011 was... apps, were, they were awesome. Uh, they, they they had one where it looked like a beer was was in your phone, and then if you oh. tipped it to your mouth the beer would go down I like you were remember that I'm yeah surprised i never saw that one because i would have been in college then yeah now, but anyway good times yeah I, I had my lg rumor until it fell apart like i don't i think i had i didn't get an iphone until i had like dad's old iphone that I can remember anyway. Yeah, I kind of remember getting a hand-me-down iPhone. And that was back when you like took the SIM card out and Yeah, it was easy. Mm. Like it was just kind of like, oh, this is yours now. Now it's like all complicated. You can yeah. just give somebody your phone. Anyway, <laughs> that's phone talk. <laughs> <laughs> I like what you what you all are saying about how this movie thematically sets it up so it could be anybody, because that is 100 percent true. But also I think the movie like masterfully uh disguises who it ends up being. They uh, really do in this one. Right? I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I can't. I, oh my gosh. I can't wait to talk about that. Um, I'm so excited because I love this ending. Um, that, that I mean, good. the whole movie was great, but like the ending, I was just like, okay, this is, this is the best one. I'm, I, I think just, on I that same note, <laughs> like the, the way it could be anybody, I think also the first three kind of made it very hokey with the people we're supposed to suspect. So it kind of got like, oh, okay, I get it. We're supposed to suspect them. But this one was just like subtle enough with each character that you really had no idea what they were going for with each one. Like, I think the hokiest mm -hmm. one was probably the aunt. Hmm. It was kind of like, all right, she's just weird. And then I guess Officer Judy like had her whole thing too. But it's like, uh, the aunt was just kind of like, okay, that that feels like something we're supposed to think is happening, but isn't. 
I see. Okay, I wanted to I wanted to say this at the end of the the show, so maybe we can save it till then. But um, be thinking about which one you think the movie is trying to uh, uh, you know front the hardest. Like which which character do you think the movie is pushing <laughs> hardest on? Because I think all four of us might have four different answers. Yeah, yeah. I had something that came to mind right away, so I'm excited to talk about this. Yeah. Yes. Um. Okay. So where are where are we next, Kelly? We're just starting. Uh, that, that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I don't know exactly what happens right after that. Because like I said, I didn't come in until Gail and Dewey were kind of being reunited well, it's, again. It's like, you know, we had the, the, you know, the three opens there. And then I think isn't the next scene. It's like where um, it's Jill and her friends are going to school. Yeah, I think because okay. they kind of hear about what's what happened. I got to no i got it oh sorry okay so yeah we've got the the friends in a car and they're they keep talking about um trevor correct the boyfriend yeah, trevor. and trevor i get they keep saying like trevor called me trevor called me and then trevor's whole thing is he like he he's a people. cheater <laughs> what he calls, sorry. he calls people <laughs> he's very obnoxious he uh, calls everybody um but yeah so he like uh kind of hitting on or we're led to believe he's hitting on all of uh the main character jill who uh, is wait hold on you took that to mean that he was hitting on all of them i guess no no sorry then he was trying to find her correct or okay was i was like we, we picked the i was like we okay. picked up very different interpretations if that's what yeah, you picked up he's she won't talk to him so he's trying that's to right. get her friends sorry to talk yeah. To her. yeah yes okay um but yeah so they are all doing that uh jill is sydney's niece um, cousin i should not be talking <laughs> <laughs> no no paul like paul you're you're i think your motivation is really good on this because i think it's important to identify who's what and what the, you know what their relation is because this movie brings us a lot of new characters not mm -hmm. unlike three screen three also brings us a lot of new characters but this one i think does such a, a much more phenomenal job of making you care about them individually and kind of giving people screen time. So yes. we actually will know the names of these characters, you know, by the end of it all. But yeah, you have Jill, who's the main character, quote unquote. She's uh, Sydney's cousin, uh, as Kellator said. And her she's getting into the car with her friends on their way to school. Car's being driven by her friend Kirby, played by Panettiere. And then her friend Olivia gets in as well. I don't know the name of that actor. Um, but yeah, that's like kind of her core friend group uh, as she's headed to school and they're talking about the murders and also talking about her boyfriend, Trevor, right? Mm -hmm. Trevor. Yes. Uh, yeah, uh, who, as people were discussing previously, uh, they are not on speaking terms or at least as far as she's concerned. And so he's like calling all of her friends, trying to like get them to you know, talk to her for him. Anyway, mm -hmm. that's where we're at. Yeah. Yeah. Billy. Um, and Kirby is a bad driver. We learned that. <laughs> she ran a she ran a stop sign. Almost killed everybody. She ran a stop sign and she sped. I don't has she already sped in front of Dewey at this point, or is that later? That happens right now. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, Dewey's that's like, kind of what <laughs> like you said, the character's a little more blended in this. And I think it's seen it's like little tiny scenes like this. We already know that Dewey has a history with Kirby in some capacity because he says that's Kirby when she drives by. And so we know that these characters have some interaction or care about each other to a little bit of a degree. Right. That is correct. That is correct. So I also commented that this is the first, I think this is the first movie 
that starts with Gail and Dewey still in a relationship and not at mm-hmm. each other's throats for something that They're happened married, right? in between the two yeah. movies. Yeah, they've been married, I think, 10 years, they say, at some point. That's right. Yeah, and I guess that was like a joke because I guess they, which is kind of a sad joke because like um, her and David Arquette were split up at this point when they filmed this. But I guess they were together for 10 years before they split. And so they oh, put geez. that in there as like a in-your-face <laughs> joke. Uh, I guess they were cool with it. I don't know. They must they, have been. <laughs> they must have been because yeah, they did. They did two more movies after that, like together. Um, but I guess it would have been kind of difficult for either of them to back out. They're both pretty like major characters. I mean, they they have to be okay with it because they're like agreeing to be in scenes together. Like, oh yeah, know, I I think that they're friends in in yeah, real life. Still, I never felt like it was. I think they probably said it was okay. I can't imagine they're like, oh, isn't it funny totally. you guys broke up? I was I was thinking more specifically about making a joke about their relationship ending or whatever, you know, making a meta sure. reference to it. But right. probably one of them came up with it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that could be. <laughs> this is this is where we meet Trevor in person, right? Like when they're at school. Yeah, I think that's the first time he shows up as he talks to her, like in the hall. Right. Um, he approaches yes. her, very reminiscent of Billy trying to get Sid to talk to him. Yeah. In their movie, you know, when she was mad at him and thought he was possibly the killer. There's a lot of beats that very much mirror the original with um, Billy and Sid. Yeah. Like there's this and there's, um, I forget how, what was the other one I was thinking of? They kind of call out two of them, right? Like the, yeah. It goes so far as to point out like, well, all these other things have happened just like in the first, you know, set of killings. What's mm-hmm. the next thing that has to happen? A big party, and then they all go to a party. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, they point that out, and there's like a lot of things that it's very much mirroring it, and you know, later we find out why that is. <laughs> um, but it does just at the beginning when you're going in blind, it's kind of just like, oh, okay, well, we're clearly this is clearly setting up like in future installments, like she's gonna be the main character now, and Sid will kind of be in the background, yeah, because you know. Sid is not right at the beginning in this one. Right. We don't come in and we see her first thing. Right. Um, It takes not too long before she shows up. Um, But, you know, she's clearly like, oh, I'm coming into this existing situation instead of it revolving around her at the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So it's kind of setting it up to think like, okay, well, she's here to help in the transition. And then in future, it'll be like Jill that we're kind of following. Um, So I think that they're purposely trying to hearken back to the first movie to help us like transition and that's what it seems like to me which is just beautiful yeah and it's like that's exactly it it just feels like it's like okay she's related to sid you know she kind of looks like sid the the kids are the same pretty much yeah it's the same sort of vibe in their friend group yeah so it's it just feels like okay they're rebooting it which is what they keep saying you know they're this is like this is a remake this isn't a sequel they're remaking the original this is the new cast and yeah, at least that's what we're led to believe. I mean, we're, we're even back in Woodsboro, right? Like, yeah, we're very explicitly calling everything out. And it, it's something I mentioned earlier. But again, I think this is a very smart take on the the franchise's meta commentary and being like, this is what reboots do. Uh, and we're doing the reboot. And even though you can call out the very obvious beats of the reboot, we're still going to make it fun and feel fresh somehow, which I think mm-hmm. is actually a huge accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, it does very much feel like kind of going back to the beginning but it, it is just fresh enough things are updated you know we're supposed to follow a different group like it's the kids are clearly of a different generation than Sid is right. even though they're not really a lot younger um 
but like it's a young enough that we expect that she doesn't know her cousin super well like you know they've clearly met before they know each other they're part of the same family but they haven't been like hanging out right. they're probably not up to date on each other's life and we see just the way the younger group reacts to things and their sort of dynamics and like how they because for them like the murders are almost like this myth that happened in their town you know they've grown up and like it happened while they were alive probably but they were very young and they probably don't really remember what it was like and it feels like like they weren't a part of it it's more like a story that they heard right um so yeah it's clearly a different like it's people who grew up hearing about the woodsboro murders instead of people who were involved in them just right. like you just like you, the viewer, are people who grew up with the Scream franchise is something you remember in the past. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, re-entering, being like, oh, yeah, like kind of like feeling that familiarity or the realization the same way the characters are. Like, again, I think it's well done. I, I really want to say very quickly, the reason I brought up the boyfriend, and this may be controversial, I don't think he's great casting. Uh, <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think this guy is very boyfriendy. Uh, I don't think he looks like a boyfriend. I think he looks like a creep. Uh, <laughs> To be fair, I but I feel like that is very much call, like a callback because I and this might just be me, but I thought Billy was just too intense, and I was like, why is he again? <laughs> well, well I, I didn't realize this was an existing uh, back and forth that was going on here because yeah, I think probably just because oh, yeah. the actor was older than like a, a high school student. It, he seems really like creepy and predatory. <laughs> he does, he plays it very aggressive, but. Yeah, I think, you know, Trevor is not like that. He's more just kind of there. He doesn't really have a lot to do. Um, Yeah, I guess Trevor just looked like a guy to me. I didn't think there was any. He just kind of, he's not really given a lot to do. Um, He's just kind of exists to be the boyfriend. You really could have put anyone there. But if you kill Billy where we're supposed to think Billy gets killed, Mm -hmm. that would be Billy's arc in the first movie, right? Like, he'd be like, it was a really intense boyfriend, and then he gets stabbed, and then he's gone. Like, well, he didn't really have any bearing on it. But, like, this is, I just feel like as if Billy, you know, they played it as if Billy wasn't really the killer. Um, I read Billy. in the trivia as well that uh, I guess the boyfriend, Trevor, had a lot more to do in the movie before. But okay. they decided that he was too intense and took him <laughs> out because it pointed too much to him being the killer, I guess. Mm. Okay. That'll be, well, let's table that bit for later when we're discussing who we think they're trying to get us to suspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, I can, I can see that. It just seems like, you know, he's obviously there to move the story forward in some ways. Mm-hmm. Like, she has to have an issue with someone yeah. to make it plausible that somebody might be after her. Like, he has to move the story forward in some ways. He has to show up and make her upset, or she has to try to get away from him or whatever. So he he needs to, somebody needs to be in that role in the story. But other than that, he kind of just doesn't do anything. Yeah. He kind of just shows up to be like, hey, I'm being obnoxious to you. And then he goes yeah. away. He doesn't really have a personality or yeah. like any sort of reason that you would feel really anything about him and he's like he must be pretty pretty much go ahead kelly i was just gonna say that pretty much is his whole thing is he's he's either been called or is calling somebody like that's all that trevor trevor is phone man 
He's well, and that every time that they were like, so one of the one of the girls picked up the phone and was like, "It's like, is this, they just kept saying, is this Trevor?" There was never a second person like, yeah, they Trevor, never think it's anyone is this else. Trevor, Trevor, yeah. like it's always who's the one person we know who sucks? Is it Trevor? It, that's yeah. it. Like it's just like it's definitely Trevor. Like this is the weird, creepy, intense things that Trevor oh, does. Oh, it's Trevor. I'm sure the actor. I'm sure the actor is like a really nice guy uh it's just every time trevor's on screen like i imagine homer doing like the uh interview with the power plant and they're like what are your worst qualities and he's like well i'm not very bright i'm kind of a blue <laughs> ball yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah yeah like later on later on okay. when trevor like interrupts hayden panettieri and uh rory culkin's characters from hooking up or whatever and he's like what's going on in here like yeah. all right he's a big dumb dipshit yeah <laughs> yeah it's, he doesn't really have any sort yeah. of it doesn't seem like anyone likes him and like why is this man popular because everybody seems to be irritated by him whenever he's there yeah, yeah the only our protagonist fell for him like, yeah that's kind of it's like maybe she's her personality has changed somewhat because of them breaking up or whatever but like yeah it does seem like well why does she like this guy <laughs> or why did yeah. she like this guy um but yeah, it's it's funny that the only time he's not intense, he's doing he's breaking up their makeout session and being a big doofus about it, like yeah. just like all right, so he's just always annoying and in the way. That's like <laughs> I had I didn't think anyone would have anything to say about Trevor because he's like I didn't even notice he was intense. I just didn't register him as a person on the screen. That's kind of how I felt about it too. It's like I didn't yeah. necessarily think he was intense. It was kind of just like oh, he's here, like. I forgot about him when he was not on the screen for the most yeah, part. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or I, but I never really found him annoying when he was like on the screen. It's just kind of like, all right, he'll be gone soon, you know? Yeah, it just seemed like everybody else was annoyed by him. Is yeah, that what I was sucks. trying to say. Yeah, he's a snooze. The, the guy's a total snooze. Uh, <sighs> if sorry, if if you have a boyfriend character, it should be like, you don't have to do the Billy Loomis thing all over again. All right, mm -hmm. uh, but Billy in the world's fiction. Whether or not everyone else on this podcast agrees, in the world fiction, <laughs> Billy was supposed to be a dreamboat. Uh, yeah, I think he kind of was, and it kind of works. And you're like Sid. I wish you had like a better taste in men in terms mm -hmm. of like how they treat you, but like we get it, and uh, we don't get it, or at least I don't. Uh, well, yeah, Billy I, was. He was definitely compelling. Like not the type of guy I would go for, but you could see why somebody who's kind of naive and like likes bad boys would be into that. Mm -hmm, so right. he at least had something to add, so people would be like, "Ooh, Billy," you know. But yeah, this guy was just like he. He looks like my husband in Stardew Valley. <laughs> he's just. <laughs> he's just kind of like present and like the most just milk toast guy, like it's the very, most just a guy, just yeah standard dude who's supposed to be like a high school popular boy because mm -hmm. uh, right. yeah and billy sid... had a little bit of a twist to him you know but right and sid the next generation is was like all about this guy like he broke my heart he cheated on me like no yeah. no you can do so much better than guys <laughs> <of snooze." laughs> but can, yeah, we'll talk about this at the end here um okay so what happens next uh well is this when they um when Sid comes in and she's doing her book reading? Yeah, so that's okay. That's where I started the movie. Today. Okay, okay, yeah. Perfect. So yeah, she's with um her publicist Allison Brie is talking her through um that 
Why it doesn't matter. What, just because it's like, that's what every, like, I just kept saying, it's like, oh, Sabrina did this. Like, it's, it was never her character's name. I don't remember her character's name. Her character's <laughs> name was Rebecca. I remember Rebecca, that. okay. Um, so Rebecca, excuse me, uh, is Sydney's publicist. And basically, Sydney is about to have a reading at one of these uh, old-timey book things. Book things. Bookstores. Old-timey book <laughs> oh, One of these old-timey book things. <laughs> She's got one of them uh, rectangle things. What have words on them? And uh, you look at it. It's not. Bookstores still you mean very a pretty, much exist. Pretty modern bookstore. One of those old timey book things. That rocked. That was so good. Oh, great. Okay. So anyway, go Sydney's ahead. doing a book reading. All right, someone else take it. <laughs> Sydney's doing a book reading um, <laughs> and her publicist is there and I think Dewey shows up at the book reading right because they've tracked the phone mm. to the publicist's car that had made the calls yeah right yeah it was it was the the phone that had made the calls to the girls with Ghostface voice they tracked it and it was in the publicist's car right are we yes. missing something I don't I'm sorry this is we are might we, have. This is when I started watching. Um, so it could have been like a slightly different part. Seen the one death. So not yet. We have not. Okay. So no. I, I, I'm just mixing it up. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Right, right now, um, they are tr they're trying to track a phone. Like I guess the we did skip over the um, Judy meeting Gail at the police station because that's right before oh, they yes. do this. Because yeah, um, you're right. The, you're right. The phone comes from there that they're tracking. Or the box that what makes calls. <laughs> <laughs> the old timey phone box, yeah. <laughs> and for clarity, Paul, you are correct. There has been one set of deaths already. The two blonde girls who were watching the staff. At the very movie. beginning. Yes. Yeah. So they we've died. seen them, but not her. Right. Not That's Joel's who friend. I was talking. Yeah. yeah. I know there was, there's two that happened pretty close together, and I, I wasn't sure what order they, they have. Yeah. At this point, yeah. I don't think the whole school knows about their deaths yet because it's still a little hush hush. Only the sheriff and Deputy Judy are supposed to know, but Gail mm -hmm. is also sticking her little nose in there because she seems to think wife of the sheriff seems to get a lot of info from the police station yeah which is that's, not so much <laughs> that's very funny she makes a good point though in this movie where she's like i have helped solve this more than once so yeah. like let me in and you're like <laughs> okay there's some good gail you know character service in this one and how many times has dewey been incapacitated where gail well, takes yeah, over and, a lot more useful than dewey is like is this the, the, has gail ever not been more helpful in the end than dewey like I know Dewey's had his moments, but I'm just saying, like, yeah, Gail has Gail definitely has. Gail a saves the day like a lot more than Dewey. She definitely did in one and two, and I think in three. Oh, yeah. I got it. I got to step in here for my guy Dewey. All right, and <laughs> uh, he's he was very instrumental in protecting everybody uh, and also warning them of Ghostface in mm -hmm. the first one. Yeah, uh, and then in the second one, that man got stabbed a billion times. <laughs> he did. Yes. Save Gail. Okay. And then in the third one, uh, he has like the best marksmanship that anyone has ever had on this planet. He's doing like heart shots uh, every single time he fires his gun. Uh, and then oh, unfortunately, yeah. they have, they were, the uh, the killer was wearing bulletproof stuff under yeah. the- Yeah, uh, but that's not mom. his fault. Yeah. No, but he and was- he he was I shooting think two shots. Dewey should have been like, maybe I should aim for his head. 
<laughs> yeah, he was. It's very funny though, because in this movie, uh, later on, we find out that after in three, where he like is hitting vital spots literally every time he pulls the trigger. In this movie, the only thing he can hit is the literal broadside of a barn and nothing else. <laughs> yeah, he was horrible trying to get that shot. Like he he uh, he hit the all the lights. I think he hit at least two light bulbs before he hit anything else. Yeah, did not save his not life good. on that one. Not yeah. good. Yeah, Gail has a clear upper hand uh, in terms of uh, heroicism and usefulness in, in this installment for sure. Yeah, and obviously, it, it yeah, also said in the trivia that uh, Dewey lost his limp in this one that he has in the, the first couple because of I forgot about he's that. been stabbed. And yeah. it says in the script, it's like, uh, it no longer limps, then it goes physical therapy, question mark. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe... Yeah. <laughs> maybe all that physical therapy made it harder for him to aim while he shot but it helped his leg we'll just yeah he yeah. took power from his arm and <laughs> it's like when guys uh try to learn how to like swing a bat different once they hit the pros and we've been doing it the whole you know one way their whole lives mm. just can screw everything up right <laughs> yeah i guess i could see that like you know maybe it's improved over time yeah. it's been several years now and he's probably in a since he's in charge now, I think maybe he's less in the field, so he's not having to maybe do as much strenuous work. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he definitely takes an L in this one. He he is not helpful. <laughs> he takes an L three in times in the head. And, um, well, <laughs> the biggest yeah. L possible. It's a bedpan. <laughs> I know. I, love, I, I could not stop laughing. Well, again, we'll get to the, uh, that was an amazing scene. Yeah. Like, I just, I loved it so much. But anyway. Uh, not so because I think, Dewey guy, I love Dewey, but uh, just a very funny scene. <laughs> <laughs> I think the main point of this scene here, so we're supposed to see the conflict between um, Gail and Dewey in general that she mm -hmm. wants to help out and Dewey mm -hmm. won't let her help out. And then the added tension of Judy being there, like helping Dewey, like, and kind of um, pushing that in Gail's face at the same time. Mm -hmm. A lot of lemon squares uh, threats oh. were thrown around. Uh, First of all, up, Marley, uh, the, uh, what's the character actor's name that plays Judy? Is Marley something? Marley yeah. Shelton. Stent Shelton. Marley <laughs> Shelton. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think we've brought her up once previously because I think Kelly is a big fan. I also uh, like her performance a lot in this movie, and also she was in Planet Terror, which I hold in very high regard. So uh, she she rocks. Hey Joe, she's also in a, a little movie called Uptown. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. Oh, shit. <laughs> I was trying to cut you off. <laughs> Uptown Girls, Uptown Girls crew unite. I I, I can't get on board. So moving. <laughs> Judy, uh, no, I've, I've never actually seen it. Judy's a great addition, wow. and I'm very I I love this scene. I love the Gale and Judy back and forth. Um, I you told me immediately that she was. I don't think I would suspect. Her. Yeah, I I screwed up here because I mentioned at this point that she was in Scream Five. And so Paul's like, oh, well, she's not the killer then. And I said, oh, well, yeah, but you're not really, you're not supposed to think she is. Like, she's not really that important in this first one. And then, like, immediately after the, that, there's the scene where she's, she's all like creepy. walking in a dark yeah. hallway. <laughs> <laughs> I completely forgot about that. Yeah. Because that I one... remember her being, like, kind of the one of the suspects. Yeah. You know, I was just like, oh, well, she's just Deputy Judy. It's no big deal, you know. So that That's was a kind good of my scene, best. too. That's a really it good scene. It really is. <laughs> She yeah, played have... it very well where she was like, Sydney, do you remember me? Like we were in a play mm -hmm. together, this class together. We had this class together. And, it, you know, you, it does play that angle of like somebody who's obsessed with Sydney 
and also walks the line of like maybe just somebody who you know had fond memories of Sydney in high school and then you know just mm -hmm. wasn't reciprocated. I thought yeah. they did, he did a great job with the work and and the scene itself was written well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We um just a real quick aside. We because she looks very similar to Heather Graham. We thought that maybe she was, um, you know, was a fun Easter egg. She was supposed to be the, um, what's, what's the girl's name was killed in the first one? Casey oh. Stanton. Huh? Casey. 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 Yeah. Yeah. We thought, you know, in, in the stab movies, the actress who plays Casey, we're like, is that Deputy Judy being yeah. Casey? <laughs> like an old, uh, you know, when she was younger, but no, it was Heather Grant. But I would, thought that was like a fun Easter egg for a second there because they look very similar. Yeah, they, do they look really, very they got similar. those big blue eyes. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, love Deputy was, Judy. She's great. I was happy to see her come back in the next one. Mm -hmm. I was telling Paul too, I guess, um, another actress that was up for that same role was Christina Ritchie. And I guess like they, they have a very similar face. If like, yeah. it's like the inverse, cause she's got like the dark eyes, dark hair, and then blue eyes, blonde hair, but they have very similar features. Yeah. I could definitely, I could see her doing that. Role? Yeah. Excuse me? She was up for that role? Yeah. That's, that's crazy to me that she would not have gotten it. No. <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> I like Marley, but like Christina Ricci's like a big deal, right? Uh, anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that is strange. And it was a big deal in 2011. Yeah, so yeah. it's not like she was an up-and-comer. That is strange. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like no one knew how to jump back in to help you or change the subject. Now we're like, I can't believe they admit that's a missed opportunity. This is this is over. We need Christina Ricci to reboot as Officer Drew. <laughs> can't go on knowing what i know <laughs> so we so we do have we have sid in the movie now you know uh the, we're trying to figure out mm -hmm. the connection with the cell phone uh the cops are trying to keep the the, the murders you know very quiet as as you probably would in a, a place like woodsboro where this has happened before mm -hmm. uh and also it's happened in two other places exactly the same way right uh, but yeah that's the way that we get right we we, we get dewey uh shows up at the book reading mm -hmm. uh and apologizes but he's he's trying to like on the uh, you know on the low get some more information and kind of figure out yeah. what the hell's going on uh and that's when the rental car that sydney has right like they they're they're tracking something mm -hmm. to it, right yeah yeah right yeah, I so think they, it, the car sorry, or the the phone was in in the trunk or something right so they open the trunk and then there's all sid's books in there and they've got blood all over it yeah yeah right so now yeah. we know that we have like uh we have a a ghost face uh mm -hmm. or a killer who who wants to bring sydney back into the fold or, or you know obviously sydney is the big prize to be killed by these these psychos mm -hmm. uh so yeah the, the gang's all back together oh before we move on i want to say just because we've talked about it at length in the other ones uh gail in this one courtney cox uh no, nothing crazy with the hair i, I wish... wrote that too yes. i said yeah. good hair good yeah, hair good but person. She did have good hair in the first screen. So it was okay. Yeah. If it's a throwback, it's like give her good hair again. I don't know about point. Uh, five or six, but maybe also because she doesn't know the word meta, like she's like, I don't care about like keeping up with the trends anymore. Oh, and God. now my hair's finally good. Yeah. <laughs> she's not they doing weird that. shit to it. When they did that I, later in the movie and she says meta and then Dewey says what a and she's like I don't know I heard one of the nerds say it like they were just basically kicking me squarely in the ass <laughs> as possibly could. 
I've said that 9,000 times on this podcast. <laughs> I also want to say, while we're still at the scene, I called it old timey because of the way the block looked, not because it was a. It was story. like an okay. old, it looked like an old, like Spielberg, like, you know, small town set. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah, I I enjoyed it. I this could, is okay. I could see that, but I we're still gonna laugh was, at you, Kelly. It was <laughs> also very Gilmore Girls to me. I wanted to say real quick. Uh, this is very important to me. This was all filmed in Michigan, and I feel like I can tell when a movie is filmed in the Midwest. I just feel more attached to it because I'm just <laughs> like, this feels more like at home. Like I just feels more personal. So, and I just like I looked it up and it's like, oh, it's all filmed in Michigan. That makes sense. So, or a lot we of these found- shots are. So. We just found that out with Starman too. Yes, Starman was big chunk of it was in Wisconsin. Yeah, we love Midwest movies, don't we, folks? <laughs> this um, well, it looks great. It, it just looks fantastic. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it really does. It's such a well shot movie. It just yeah. Um. Okay. So where are we? So yeah, I just wanted to say too, real quick that I love I love Dewey and Sid together. I love their relationship. Mm-hmm. I I just, I really like that through, just through all these movies. I like how they interact with each other. I like how they're sort, how understanding they are. Cause it's like Gail is part of that, but she's also a little bit outside cause she has a very sometimes cynical view of everything. Um, but they are, seem like they're on the same page and, and get what's going on. And like, I just like how quickly he goes to her and like wants to make sure she's okay. And I just, yeah, I've always liked that. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, because it is very sweet because, you know, Sid doesn't have any siblings. It's just her and her dad who we never really see after the first movie. Um, and apparently he's dead in this is he, movie. Is he dead? Yeah. Okay, I, mi- I must have missed that. But yeah, so she's basically her and then her mom's sister and her family, you know, and it doesn't seem like they're super close before this happens. So she's kind of on her own. And then like Dewey, you know, lost his sister who's the same age as Sid and he knew her growing up and everything. So it does seem very much like a almost sibling type of relationship. And obviously they're going to have something that Gail can't be a part of because they're both from Woodsboro and she's not. True. Yeah. So they, they both lost Tatum. Uh, the way yeah. that he, the way that he comes up to her and like sort of sneakily and very sweetly lets on that he read her book by quoting it to her. Uh, it's just great. I love that. Yeah. I love, like you're saying, Paul, I love their interactions together. And like you're saying, Kelator, I love that there is a, he, she's absolutely his, his sister. Uh, they are siblings yeah. for real. They've been through so much together and he openly very much cares about her. And I like, that there is no weirdness in it. Like uh, the, yes. the movie, the franchise just allowed it to be a pure, you know, brotherly type love thing mm-hmm. without any sort of like weird, like will they, won't they, or any of that crap. Uh, Dewey gets to be an actual good guy, an actual hero, uh, which makes the bedpan thing all the more uh, <laughs> <just> tragic. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, it's, okay. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> this man is a hero, damn it. <laughs> this scene with unless anybody had more to say about the scene before Mm -mm. Uh, i was just gonna say this scene is also when they got the mayor officially involved he's like okay now the mayor decided that this is a big case and to like take like big steps in taking down all these ghost faces because i guess whoever did this did the thing in the back of the car with all the 
books mm -hmm. and the and the blood and the ghost face masks, and then they also hung them up like around the town square. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this is also... now the mayor is cracking down. Right, and and we also see there's more uh, police being brought in, right? Because I think this is around the time that we meet uh, mm -hmm. the two officers played by Adam Brody and Anthony Anderson, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, and they're kind of like the comic relief almost too during all this. Yeah, the big. Sorry, go ahead, Paul. I was just gonna say real quick, to, to the comic relief to the point that that Adam Brody's character's name is Ross Haas. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I, spot that. That's funny. <laughs> they have big Rosencrantz and Guildenstern vibes, which mm -hmm. I really like. Um, <laughs> uh, and also, like, there are I'm I'm never mad to see either one of these guys show up in any movie, and so for them to both show up in this movie together and like as, as y'all are saying like in a sort of a comedic relief role very happy about that and i think it, it bears mentioning at this point uh it, that the casting in general is just out of this world like they if this is the second time to me that they've they've completely knocked it out of the park and nailed it in every single case even though earlier i was kind of throwing shade at the boy right, <laughs> right. that's more well that's more just me not liking trevor the character the actor is is fine uh but yeah, like I we we talked about how in the first one the casting is just like superlative, and it seems like it was kind of almost like an accident of greatness because there were so many people who like weren't super well known. Uh, in this one, like they really they get a lot of people who are just Ooh. absolutely fantastic, right? You got mm -hmm. Alison Brie, you got uh, Kristen Bell, you got Anna Paquin, just like in these small roles, and then even in the bigger roles, you know they they dug deep and found uh, fantastic people to fill in. Emma Roberts is like really. Oh, man. Uh, inspired right to to cast uh as jill so i just i don't know they i i was really appreciative of that uh and especially once those guys showed up it was like an embarrassment of riches they're so good so good and they two um the two uh geek guys what yeah. are their names i don't remember the what Tolkien their names are. yeah the Tolkien and, and the other guy with the headset yeah charlie and uh bobby sorry robbie yeah. um Love those guys. Great casting, but great cat. We just haven't brought them up yet is why it, I wanted to mention that. And it's just like through and through amazing casting. Yeah. Just nailed every, every part of this. Yeah. And yeah. That, we did. Again, go, go ahead. ahead. I was just gonna say, we did kind of skip over their introduction. Cause there is a scene in between these two where we kind of see Kirby when they actually get to the school, we see them mm -hmm. interact with uh, Robbie and Charlie and it's funny to me because Robbie and Charlie are supposed to be kind of like played off as like these huge nerds, but these people are all in the same classes and the same clubs. So to yeah. me, I, I know I said this in the first one too, I didn't feel like there was a big difference in social status between any of these characters. Mm -hmm. But yeah. we're supposed to believe just by repeated of them calling these two guys nerds that they're supposed to be nerds. And Okay, we got it. We have to say though, because it's kind of important to the plot and also uh, I think important to how much of a dork the character is. Robbie has... He's wearing camera uh, glasses, yes. uh, like a little headset that is filming <laughs> everything he sees at all times. And he's live blogging it, live streaming it uh, on his site uh, on a show that he calls Hall Pass for like, I'm sure he has like six watt you know, yeah. viewers or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. You know, what <laughs> I have to say to that, thing. listen though. Um, so he's doing this really dorky thing, but who has the app readily on her phone to watch this footage is Kirby. <laughs> that's, they're all friends, though. And like, I, think, I know, that's what I'm saying. 
she's kind not of, any cooler than this kid. No, I don't think to she... me like that does. It's another kind of way to show the general generational divide between this group of people and Sydney and her friends. Yeah, like in in her Sid's group, it was very clearly like there were her and her friends and then randy was also there sometimes and it was very much like <laughs> randy is like he's kind of a hanger on and she thinks he's okay but the other friends don't really seem to like him yeah almost like oh well i knew him when we were growing up and we're still buddies but like here it's very much more fluid where you know these two guys are nervous but kirby's still friends with them they still hang out like the culkin guy is handsome enough that you could see why she sure. might be into him yeah like <laughs> And they all kind of hang out. It's more like, okay, well, now we're getting into, like, quote-unquote, nerdy interests being a little more mainstream. And that's more acceptable for even, like, the cool kids to be into and be involved with. So I, I do think right. that kind of shows, like, this is, you know, it's kind of the same, but different again. Yeah. Also, when you guys first saw this, I know that I saw it when it came out. And I think you guys all watched it a little bit later. Kelly, you might have already seen it. But did everybody did everybody know there was a Rory Culkin, or did you all think that Kieran Culkin was the like the same person in all these? I just forgot there was a third Culkin completely. That I did too. I didn't yeah. know that there was like a third big one. Yeah, I, I knew, but that's just because uh, I'm a little bit older than than most of y'all, and uh, people my age are cursed to know the entire Culkin clan. Uh, <laughs> we don't have a choice. Yeah, I don't remember what I thought at the time because I I saw it pretty close to when it came out. I don't think I saw it in the theater, but like it was pretty close to when it came out. And I I think at the time I just thought, he, oh, he kind of looks like Macaulay Culkin. I don't think I even knew he was related. Oh, really? I just like, oh, yeah. he sort of looks like him. You know, he's a carbon copy. He looks exactly like Macaulay. <laughs> it's a lot yeah, like... he does. Yeah, and I, Aaron, I think Aaron's just... very different looking. I think. At the time, I was just like, oh, he caught, he looks like Macaulay Culkin. Like, isn't that funny? And just yeah. moved on. Like, I don't think I even considered, oh, there might be an additional Culkin. Culkin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, but it's yeah, like he, the Olsen twins and Elizabeth. You're like, I, I guess I did know that she existed. And then she just became famous. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. And the third one. It's like, oh, I don't, I don't like that. Until you uh, said that I thought there were just two. And I forgot one of them was named Elizabeth. So that shows how much I know about anything. Can <laughs> question that she looked a lot younger than the other two? I didn't quite, I don't really have any reason to pay attention to her at all. I just heard her name and I'm like, she's one of the, she's one, one of them. them. Yeah. yeah. One of them. One of those two. You know, there's They're two bad. of them and she's one of them. I can't remember what the other one's names are. Well, it's Mary Kate and Ashley. They were huge. Uh, duh, duh. Okay. I, I'm just being stupid. Then. So. <laughs> um anyway <laughs> <laughs> moving on from that uh where are we okay so we've, we've been to the school they've gotten to school now they see their two nerdy buddies yes um and then there's a brief scene there where she talks to trevor i think right um and then do they go to the no they don't go to the club meeting yet that's when gail is there yes because right? gail kind of has to convince that because she says like oh I'll, uh, she wants more information she kind of wants to learn uh about their whole operation mm -hmm. you know live streaming stuff and she wants to get into this the club they you know she's like i'll come and and be a guest speaker and they they want sydney mm -hmm. um but she easily is able to get sydney doesn't seem to have a problem with that yeah you are jumping way ahead i, I apologize okay yeah, let's, that's, let's that's jump back and that's i'm gonna dial it back because okay I just went back to the high school scene because we skipped over it, but that was actually before they got to the sheriff scene. So where mm -hmm. we're at now is um, 
Olivia. The mayor just shut down the city and now uh, Sid is on 24 hour surveillance. So that's big. And, oh yeah. And so they're kind of locked down at her cousin's house. Ooh. And then yes. Olivia's next, she's coming home next door and chatting with oh, Jill. Man. Right? Okay. Yeah. And like Kirby and Jill. Yeah. Kirby, Kirby and Jill, Jill, Jill out, will be yeah. in her room. Watching. Yeah. Uh, but Kirby, Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of yes. the Dead. But before that, um, Trevor comes to visit Jill while she's still oh, alone. Oh yeah. In a, another you know oh he comes to the window to the first movie yeah, yeah. Say, we're putting visit in big hand quotations <laughs> yeah yeah that bedroom window how many for a, people vi- for a visit have windows that are both crawl throughable and next to something you can climb up like that's a security <laughs> issue i don't i've never had a window where anyone could come in yeah this is that. very hollywood or Somebody just something i don't know once and he fell off the rain gutter and he got hurt <laughs> So I know this is not something that's easy to do. Yeah, if, yeah, your window is not far from the crowd. It, it is a fun scene though, because uh, you know Trevor's in there uh, being a dud like Trevor always is, mm-hmm. uh, and then Sid kind of walks in to it's it's Jill's room that that Trevor has climbed into, obviously. So Sid walks into Jill's room uh, that he makes his you know exit at that point. Uh, says that Sid looks smaller in person. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I was like, a uh, very like, weird thing to say. Agreed. And also yeah. like, hey, hey Trevor, hey Trevor, we love Sydney. <laughs> Shut the fuck yeah, up. Yeah, don't, don't, don't try to don't try to mess with Sydney. Well, I just I just thought about this now because at first, you know, you'll hear sometimes people say, oh, I saw this celebrity in person, and they're really short. Like that's kind of where I thought he what he I thought he meant. Like, yeah. oh, this person almost seemed larger than life to me. And yes. she's actually quite small. But now when we're talking about it again, it kind of makes me think if they weren't trying to hint to like, she seems smaller in person. Oh, so has he been seeing her from afar? He's like studying Is her. Is he like creeping or... and like following her yeah. around? I just thought of that now. Like maybe that was supposed to be another sort of hint that we're supposed to suspect Trevor. There was like a beat there too. Like he says that it kind of gives a creepy little smile. Yeah. Leaves. And then there's a, a pause there. And yeah, I think we're supposed to, take something from that yeah and i think you're right sure. i think it's it's supposed to be a little bit like oh, okay so he's like at least we're supposed to mm-hmm. i never felt like he was a suspect we'll talk about this more at the yeah, end we'll but talk about this at the end so i never see. really felt like that but yeah there was a couple moments like that where i'm like they're they're trying to sell something here for sure yeah i really like uh the that scene the way it ends with with sydney uh and the way that nev campbell delivers a line where she's like uh, you remind uh, me, and she kind of trails off, uh, and she's like, "Reminds me of me," or, or "You remind me of me." Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's like a great, you know, what you could read it as a passing of the torch, you know, to this new protagonist for the franchise. Uh, obviously, it's a callback to the original movie as well, but um, just in general, I think Nev is giving this role in this material a very straight ahead and realistic, uh, grounded performance that. Mm-hmm not a ton of people i think would choose to do like she's sure really really good i think in this movie when she talks later on about the people who have died um you know and she's insisting like these are real people these are and these are innocent people like Mm. performance you can tell that like she you know sid the character really does give a shit about these people dying uh it's great she's so good at this she's really good in this movie So they're under 24-hour surveillance at this point. So we meet the two cops that are in charge, which is Adam Brody and Anderson. 
And then they're they're watching this house. And also Deputy Judy is kind of dropping in. So right now we're kind of getting it set up where we know a kill is about to happen. And they're kind of putting a lot of the suspects in the general area. We don't exactly know where they are at all times. So it's kind of throwing all these characters in. And we mm -hmm. know something's about to go down. So we've got, we just met... Um, Jill's mother, who we know is a little bit off. I do like she kind of makes an offhand comment that no one cares about her. It was all about Maureen and mm -hmm. she has scars. And I like the um uh Kirby says something and then Jill's he was she was like, What? And she was like, She says nice scars, mom. He's <laughs> like, Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got kind of and we got Kirby and Jill in the house watching Shaun of the Dead together, and then we have Olivia in the next bedroom over. Um, and so they're all kind the street, of right? across yeah. the street, yeah. Yeah, because she did. She did not want to cut. They invite her over to to be with Jill and Kirby, but she says no. That's creepy. I think she was worried about Trevor specifically. Is that right? I don't know why she didn't come over. But she didn't she, like. She called it. the cops pervy. She didn't That's like it, yeah. any of it. So she, um, decides... she called Sid the angel of death. She didn't want to be in the yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. That makes That's, sense. Yeah. That's it. So it... she goes into her dark house alone. It's really weird that her mom is out when she knows there's somebody trying to kill her daughter's friends. <laughs> um, but maybe she's a bad mom. We don't know. I found that a little strange. <laughs> um, but I guess when... you kind of have to set up for. The kill to happen and i'm mm -hmm. sure she seems she probably feels pretty safe if there's cops literally on the street next to the house so as parents leaving know, town is kind of a theme and scream go yeah. ahead Jeff. true now i was just gonna say as we all know when your parents are gone that's the time to strip down to your underwear <laughs> yeah i know i always do when i'm in the house alone yeah <laughs> just walk around for a while like that no <laughs> um but yeah, so, uh, you know, everybody, they're watching TV, they're chatting with Olivia, right? Yeah, they call um, yeah. Olivia yes. doing like a really bad version of the ghost face. You know, it's it's Emma Roberts as Jill going like, you know, do you like scary movies? Like, it's a really bad impression. And Olivia's like, shut up, that sucked. Although and I have to say, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you could, please go ahead. The only thing I was going to say is that uh, one thing I noticed right away is the guy who does the ghost face voice. I, I can't remember his name uh but the guy who does it the voice is different it is very uh noticeably different to me from the first three movies it's still like the same general range but i was like can we call emma's version so bad when the actual version is very <laughs> doesn't itself? seem right yeah, yeah anyway i mean that could be reflective of just time passing between the movies his voice might be a little bit different now totally yeah we noticed that we've, we've been rewatching friends recently so we've been watching courtney cox in friends and you know this movie came out what 10 years or so after the end of friends and we can tell like her voice is deeper than it was right in the first couple of movies and friends like because we've been listening to her you know earlier in the day and so we're like oh like she sounds a little bit different so it may be the same thing with the the guy who does the ghost face voice totally yeah um I, yeah, and I, I like to just, I won't talk, but like Jill had the app, the Ghostface app on her phone and chose not to use it here. I just thought that was interesting. That's interesting. I mean, I guess because that might seem suspicious to Kirby, possibly. But she just, uh, the first time she used it, she just straight up said, "Is wasn't that her? Am I No, you're. This? that's the very beginning, um, the two girls. She had okay. the ghost app on her phone. I don't think Jill has it. I thought she um, said like, "You don't have it on your phone or something." I thought she that was the that was the girl at the beginning. Uh, okay, I'm mixing it up. I apologize. All right, yeah. let's move on. 
So from here, um, this is actually when that Judy scene actually happens because Judy, Judy is yeah. doing like a, a final walkthrough of the house before she leaves. So Sid has just left Jill's room um, saying that she reminds her of her. And this is when Judy scares her because she's like standing in the shadows. You see like her eyes are like kind of reflecting. She's got like those big blue eyes. She's got huge eyes. So like, mm -hmm. it's like reflecting like with the light as she's walking forward. So it gets a very, very creepy presence and she's like she does the whole like if it, it feels like misery when like kathy bates mm, is like yeah. doing her like final like speech at the end when she's talking mm. and it's just like uh okay like I, I don't feel safe like i don't know her speech like it's about how cool like sydney is and how she liked her in high school but it's there it's coming from a very unsettling place mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, but she kind of owns up to almost immediately she's like uh Oh, okay. Sorry, that was weird. I and mean, like, you know, kind of <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. So, uh, and and then um, they are like I said, they they prank call Olivia, and then they get they get a call themselves, and this is where um, Ghostface has called them, right? And then uh, mm -hmm. Kirby keeps insisting that it's Trevor because everyone knows that Trevor sucks, and only only Trevor could be this fucking annoying. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but I then, do like there's an actual right. killer on the loose, and there's still like Trevor, Trevor, Trevor. Yeah, yeah exactly. like they're aware somebody's after them and they still well because i think when it rings doesn't it show up as trevor on her phone i don't know honestly i think it does i think it's like when the display says trevor it's like somebody's cloned his phone or stolen his phone or something and we find out about that later but in the moment they do think it is trevor calling um so when later she's like trevor is that you like she i think she just thinks he's doing a funny voice or something mm. um but then obviously, you know, they realize over time, like it's creepy. Um, and they go to check the closet. There's nothing in there. And he's like, I didn't say it was your closet. <laughs> and somehow they divine that this must mean that Olivia's in trouble instead of like any other closet in the house. Um, <laughs> and they run to the window and, you know, she's slaughtered rather graphically. Yeah, this is a tough one. This is a very brutal death. Maybe... I don't maybe the most brutal in the series just by how much we're shown yeah and it's the scene is quite bloody afterwards yeah it's, it's like it's, it's very long you see a lot and the characters are watching for a while before a they make time. any kind yeah. of like should we do something there's cops everywhere but let's just watch i don't let's know just scream <laughs> yeah um i mean obviously see how we, it goes. we know why jill does this now but um yeah it's weird that kirby's not like oh let me go get the cop who's literally downstairs yeah <laughs> yeah he yeah. might have been able to get there in time to save her life. Maybe, um, yeah, but it's 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 brutal, and this is the first time they're kind of showing that this is like that this is a new sort of reboot, you know, mm -hmm. it's like Batman Begins sort of situation yeah. where it's like, you know, this isn't you know this we're showing a little bit more and it's a little bit darker and it's like we see all of her which you kind of do with casey but i don't think it's quite that graphic yeah uh, i think uh i think we kelly may disagree with me on this one <clears throat> uh i do think the later movies get more graphic than this and what i would say is more gratuitous i think this is the mm -hmm. biggest example of this movie for sure and i think actually something that uh, keltor mentioned this a second ago but the aftermath to me is almost more upsetting than the actual yeah. stabs themselves because like you see her intestines later as long as well as like the blood all over the walls and stuff um yeah. but like the 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 kills 
earlier in the movie are kind of direct and to the point. It's like it's a a, a stab to the gut, and that's kind of it. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of like the thirty stabbings that Jada Pinkett uh, withstood yeah. in the yeah. second movie, um, I just I feel like this one is a it definitely bridges the 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 earlier movies with the newer movies, and for me at least in this particular time it hasn't gotten so gratuitous that i'm starting to like roll my eyes but i totally agree paul that this one is the nastiest i think in the entire movie i i yeah i don't even think it was like i don't think it was egregious or like anything like that i just think it was like okay this is different it's more than anything different. this is like they are seriously rebooting it they're doing things they haven't done they're showing a little bit more and yeah 100 it's not like i mean it was like a the killing was, you know, like part of it, but it was when we saw her when she was dead. That was definitely where it got to be like, oh, wow. Okay, we're, you know, we don't see this, you know, like usually we just see him on the ground and there's blood. We don't see the intestines coming out. And and there was a scene, I don't want to skip too far ahead. I don't think this is, but, you know, just kind of the aftermath of this where we're, um, where, uh sydney is talking to the cop who i think his name is anthony as well at least that's when i looked it up in the imdb so we'll just say anthony um anthony anderson's character that he that that was kind of a weird scene to me so she's you know um sydney's kind of figured out what's happened she's seen this body um is very traumatized obviously very traumatized by it she's in the hallway kind of like just cannot move almost and the cop comes up and she's just kind of like you're like go look at like no warning or like this is what you're gonna walk into like just like go see for yourself like uh, which i just thought was this i don't know how to read that exactly but i just thought that was a a, it was a powerful scene but it was kind of strange that she was kind of like i don't know what she was saying there except what i think was happening i think that sydney didn't trust deputy judy i think that's what we're i that's what i took from that and i think that she suspected that deputy judy did it and she didn't want to be in the same room alone with a dead body in her so what i took from sydney leaving was sydney was being smart because deputy judy is about to murder her and we saw a sydney here which i absolutely there was a there's a beat here this this is kind of this whole movie for me where at first i'm like what are they doing and then i'm like oh okay this is fine (laughs) which is sydney goes into the kind of runs in to save the day no weapons nothing just like i'm gonna go up there and you know do my thing she runs into ghostface and just fucking starts kicking his ass like (laughs) she's like prepared for this she's like like, you are not like taking like karate yeah like jujitsu and fighting and stuff like she obviously knows how to defend herself without a weapon yeah which it makes sense that she would learn how to do that you know right but um that's really interesting because it's like you know there's there's two cops on the street together with guns and they don't want to go in and it's like she'll just charge in she's like no i've done this before i know what i'm doing i can stop this guy like it's very cool and like there's this moment here too because yeah you i don't want to describe this incorrectly so kelly why don't you take us kind of through this whole part so we can flesh it out a little bit more so um basically this moment um okay so the they're fighting the the ghost face let me get caught up in my notes um so jill and her are both running from ghost face at this point and jill gets slashed in her arm Mm -hmm. and i think that was important because i guess um 
it's just funny to me how quickly if someone gets injured, we just kind of write it off as oh innocent because they've been sure. sliced. Like, and it was just a like a very flesh wound. Like, I don't think very much happened to her at all. Like, she just mm-hmm. got it like kind of patched up. I just need so to like, it. yeah, yeah. I, I know for sure when I watched this for the first time, I pretty much just said uh, Jill's innocent. After that, I was like, oh no, it's her and and Sydney against this whole big thing. This family's got to stick together. No one gave Derek that grace. <laughs> True. <laughs> Derek didn't get that benefit of the doubt. Uh, which I which I only say because again, I think this movie's doing a really great job uh setting up the ending. Uh it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. I will say just before we move on from this scene completely, this will go to a point I'm going to make when we wrap up later and are kind of talking about themes and stuff. When Jill's killed, like she's walking around her room for some time by herself. Olivia. Uh, sorry, Olivia, yeah. She's walking around in her room by herself, like getting ready for bed. She takes her shirt off. She puts new clothes on. Like she's in there alone for a long time before he attacks her. And, um, you know, he wants to obviously set it up with Jill and Kirby by saying like, I didn't say it was your closet. But like, if he didn't want cops to come after him right away, he could have just killed her and left. You know, he didn't need to wait around. He waits until she's clothed again before he attacks her, which is I think interesting. It's a, yeah, I think um, a lot of that is because they're making they're making this movie, which we'll get into here. Yeah, and I get that. I just this goes to a point I'm saying that yeah. I'm gonna you know make later, but gotcha. like you know, the instinct in some of these um, just old school slasher films are like, oh, okay, well, the girl's naked or the girl's like just finished having sex or she's getting out of the shower or whatever. But it's like, no, she's like, she's fully clothed and ready to go to sleep. And she didn't have to be like that. Like he could have attacked her while she was mostly naked. Like, and he doesn't, Um, which I'm not going to get into it now, but we'll go to a point that I make later in the the podcast. (laughs) So moving on. Yeah, I think Olivia's death was just hard, like on all fronts, like um, she gets like killed for such a long period of time and it bounces back in between those scenes so much that it like, it feels like they're almost just letting it happen, which just feel like I know once we know who like the actual killer is, it makes sense, but it's just Mm -hmm. like, we're just watching it so brutally happen. Like there was even a joke video that I, I think I did send it to you, Joe, but there's like a Taylor Swift video where um, she's singing to a guy that she's like holding up notes back and forth. And so like they do a joke video where Olivia's dying in there and like Taylor she's Swift just... holds up, you okay? <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then it bounces back to Olivia being stabbed more and it bounces back to Taylor and she like puts a frowny face. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. It, it works amazing. so well. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so the I, what what I like about this scene um, more than anything else. I mean, I you guys know me; I'm not super into the like the more graphic kill stuff. So I was kind of like, "All right, let's move this along." Oh, she's gone through the window now. Oh, now her intestines are out. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, but I do like this scene because it, uh, it Emma Roberts' character, sorry Jill, um, is you know she becomes suspicious of Sydney because of the way that they were separated. Yeah. Uh, and I think the movie is doing a, a pretty decent job of setting that up. I mean, obviously, I think that anybody who's watched all, the first three movies doesn't really believe in their heart that Sid is going to be one of the killers. But I like that the movie is sowing distrust between like yeah. the new Sydney and the old Sydney. Uh, I think it, it's, it's done pretty well because you can all you can kind of understand how she gets there, even mm-hmm. though the way she makes it clear to the audience is when she said, you know, Olivia said you're the angel of death. I'm like, all right, fine. 
mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. And but, she uh, apologizes for that joke. She does. She does. In, yeah. She apologizes for makeup. I did like that they do. This is the first time, and obviously, even even if I had not seen, I watch. I haven't. I haven't seen Scream Five or Six. I'm like, there's no chance that Sydney's the killer. But I do like for a brief moment that they're kind of adding her in mm-hmm. to the mix. Like, not in a way I think that they're trying to convince the audience so much, but they are trying to convince other characters, like you're saying, Jill. I think yeah. that that's that's really well done. It's interesting, because, yeah, we as the audience obviously know it's not Sid. But, like, people who don't know her might think, well, a lot of crap keeps happening around her. Is is she the cause of this? Right. And it really is a good smokescreen for, you know, Jill actually being at fault. Because if she's suspicious, like, it makes sense that she would be suspicious, you know? So if she's also suspecting other people and voicing that, then it kind of covers up like, oh, well, she was also not with Sid. Mm-hmm. Like, because she's reflecting it back on her being, I'm suspicious of you because I don't know where you were. We're not thinking, we don't know where she was. You know, right. obviously she wasn't committing the murder, but she may have helped him get rid of evidence or right. helped him like get out of the neighborhood in a way the cops wouldn't see him or something because she knows the area. And same thing with the public. I don't know if it was the publicist's car or Sid's car. Like she was probably the one who put that crap in the trunk because she would have had access to the keys. Yes. Like Sid was staying with her. So you don't think about that because yeah, where she's being set up, it's this new protagonist almost like, well, of course this is going to be the new sin. She's innocent and blameless, but she's not. (laughs) We have no reason to think that she is, except that she's being presented almost as the main character in a way. Yeah. Cause there's so much. Yeah. It's, I, it's hard not to talk about, you know, the reveal of this. And I assume anybody listening to this would have seen this and knows, but you know, we're trying to kind of go through the story, but it does, there's just so much in here, I think is that's really well done for setup and for throwing you off and for leading you down the wrong track. Or just, yeah, this an example of where we're not really realizing how much we're starting to sympathize with this character just by like them thinking, it's like, oh, of course it's not Sid, but oh no, our new hero thinks it's Sid. And like- it, that's uh, hopefully they get this figured out soon because you know I don't mm. want them to think that that's a you know yeah that's makes as far as you think and, about it you don't follow yeah. the implications of like well if she's not with Sydney Sydney's also not with her yeah you know? it's just beautiful so anyway let's continue so from here the way they get away from Ghostface is Sydney goes out onto the roof and pretends that um, Jill has jumped from down and is running to get help. So she kind of makes that like fake yell, Jill, like run, go get somebody. But Jill's hiding under the bed that Ghostface is still in that room. Uh, Ghostface then follows Sydney out onto the roof where Sydney just kind of casually walks around and then makes a call, even though he's on the same roof. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, I mean, there's not very much, like, it's not like a huge ass house where there's like plenty of room to run yeah, around. Yeah, that was she just kind of like, <laughs> she kind of just takes a turn and then just like, Casually makes a phone call and then is surprised that Ghostface pops up again. I'm like, he's That's, on the roof with you. That is kind of weird, yeah. There's not a chance we're supposed to think, and this is just me not quite remembering everything that happened. There's not a chance we're supposed to think there's no no way he got around that fast. This is Jill now. I'm sorry. I just I I took it as I, <laughs> I took it as an enormous flex. Uh Sid is the elder statesman here in terms of the fact that she's been through this so many times. Yeah. Trying to save everybody else. She's using all of her knowledge. And frankly, I don't think she respects Ghostface very much. Like whoever mm. this dipshit is. I think is. you're right. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think she, yeah, she sorry, feels like 
you know, well, obviously, once he gets here, I can defend myself. I'm going to make this call because this is what you do in an emergency. But like, yeah, he's going to show back up. I just have to fight him when he gets here. You know, she's not really concerned. She's about like, it, just really. waiting. Like, just come get me. I'm ready for you. But she, 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 she would she rather was. him come after her. She would, she yeah. would rather go yeah. face attacking her than anybody else. Yeah. And I've seen wire foo movies where people have kicked someone and they haven't traveled as far as Ghostface travels with Oh, Cindy. man. It fucking rocks. Uh, what a I'm satisfying glad. kick. What a beautiful... <laughs> I'm just like, I want like a kung fu style movie with Sydney where she's just going around <laughs> kicking people's asses. Like, that was incredible. Like, love that so much. Yeah. Absolutely. That would be I, hilarious if that was her next move. She's like, I'm turning down screen movies from now on, but uh, Paul McAndrews <laughs> just had a good idea for a karate movie for me. <laughs> and I'm super reasons, into it. <laughs> it's one of the reasons why this movie works for me as well as it does is because I think it, it does a great job balancing uh, the, the fact that, you know, you got to keep people on their toes and, and it can't be totally predictable. But at the same time, like, they're not disrespecting anybody except Dewey. Uh, they are <laughs> definitely Dewey. not. I'm just kidding on that part. Uh, but <laughs> they, they are they're They are. They respect the Sid character a lot. And I like that. Yes. And they give her heroic moments that I think she absolutely merits. Uh, and I like her character development to this point. So uh, even though, you know, she makes the call and, and and as she's kind of walking along the roof or running along the roof, Ghostface does clothesline her. Uh, yeah. <laughs> she, she tumbles down the roof and then grabs onto the gutter so that she doesn't die. And then uh, then you find out she actually was never in danger of dying because she's dangling roughly a foot and a half over mm -hmm. the ground. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like she might gutter. break a bone, but she'd be okay. <laughs> you yeah. know? It, is, it is very funny though. we're like, Ghostface like approaches her like he's gonna like you know whatever try to stab her make her drop or whatever and then she drops and and she's fine. She's uh, fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. She just needed to do it gracefully. But um, yeah, that's interesting. I, I do appreciate that they respect her character. She's not just like the helpless damsel in every movie. They don't make her stupid. They don't make her run in. You know, she does run into danger, but it's consciously. It's yeah. like so she can stop it. It's not like oh I'm gonna run up the stairs when I know I should go out the door. It's yeah. They do show her leveling up consistently through each movie yeah. like you know in the second one she's trying to kind of put it behind her but then in the third one we see like oh she has like this fancy security system like she knows what to do if she gets in trouble like yeah, she has yeah. all these safeguards and then in this one it's like oh well she's been taking self-defense classes also like yeah we just see more and more levels of like you really shouldn't fuck with this woman yeah like, was... yeah, but yeah she's she's so clearly outclasses Ghostface. Yeah. Like, for most of the movie, it makes sense that she's not real concerned about herself. She's scared that Jill's gonna get her. That's one, yeah. It's just like, you're so right that it's just like, there's, like, she does not have any respect for this Ghostface. She's just like, she's gonna go in there and she knows exactly what to do. And like, this this is not gonna end well for Ghost. Like, she's gonna come out of it. We know that mm -hmm. because it's Sydney. Yeah. It's like James Bond versus... Ten henchmen, like yeah, we know nobody she has. She's not really in danger. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's fine. She's gonna be fine. <laughs> she's gonna <laughs> kick ass, and then she'll be fine. Yeah, she's gonna get some blood on her face, but it'll yeah. be okay. You know. Oh, our cat wants to be part of the podcast. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> she's very welcome. Walking around now, and I guess she has thoughts and feelings about this. But did and shut me up if I'm if I'm moving ahead too fast. But this, I believe, is where Ghostface kind of tells Sid point blank like it's not your time to die yet like she like the we know that ghostface has a plan and that that sit like 
pretty much just said like you're i'm not gonna i'm going to kill you but not now <laughs> not yet take a rain check yeah <laughs> on the murder so even in the movie like we know that sydney is safe in this situation and then from here Ghostface gets away which i think it's funny going back to the cops because they're just kind of like dewey's kind of like questioning how how Ghostface got away mm-hmm. they're trying to explain i went this way and then he went that way and then um, I like that it just goes to Adam Brody just be like, we feel terrible. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I love, I love Dewey as a boss. He's like, so perfect. Like, I'm just so excited to say, like, I just want to see a whole show about him. It is like, yeah. just like, what happened here? And then he, they explain it and he's just like, okay, that makes sense. Like, <laughs> we feel bad about it. I'm not going to lie. A stabbing guy got away. But they the were main like, guy we're all looking for. Sincerely sorry, too. Like, they were like, we fucked up. We're sorry. And he's like, uh, you know, when these but, things happen. Like, I mean, it makes sense why Sydney doesn't trust them like they are clearly not very competent in this sort of situation like maybe they're great at doing traffic stops or whatever but like they're not equipped to chase down a murder suspect and she seems to clock that about them pretty quickly and being like i'm gonna go straight into that house and get him because i know these fools are not gonna do that (laughs) you know it makes sense that she does not really trust the police other than dewey right anyway um she at least knows he's brave and will come after her um but yeah, I, I think that does set it up for like, okay, well, you know, she sees how incompetent they are. Jill and her friends kind of see how incompetent they are. It makes sense that they don't necessarily right. rely on the police for protection later in the movie. Right. I, like that Dewey, I like that Dewey is like um, uh, empathetic to and sort of just takes the, the the guys at their word when, as you said, they they very obviously feel bad about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure it's not a callback, but it, to me, it's kind of a callback to Scream Three when uh, Patrick Warburton's character is like, "Hey, why don't you take some advice from me?" And just like, you know, <laughs> calls him a total dipshit for, for all those people dying on his watch, and then Dewey's kind of like, eh, "All right, he's kind of got a point." Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, love Scream Three, I but anyway. So from here is where Gail meets up with um, Robbie and Charlie because she wants them on her side because she mm-hmm. like she's like oh, we can get together. Uh, Gail, we haven't really mentioned this um, what Gail's going through so far, but what Gail's going through is she wants to write a new book. She's kind of jealous of Sydney's new book because she mm-hmm. hasn't written anything in so long. Yeah, she feels like her life is kind of boring without the new murders, and she has writer's block. So she she's like okay, now all these murders are happening. Like, I'm the, like the big person because like, I wrote all these books yeah. on it. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I could potentially like get new information. Like, this is my area. So like, she doesn't really get the support from Dewey or, or Deputy Judy. So she goes and finds the next best thing to big nerds that record mm-hmm. everything. And she's mm-hmm. like, these are my, this is my team now. And so uh, she's got Charlie and Robbie kind of like she decides like, oh, you guys are going to work for me. We're going to do all this together. And then that's when they're like, she she tries, she offers them herself going to their club as like the yeah. big thing. Doing yeah. They have no yeah. interest. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I love that. And they're like, okay, but how about Sydney? How and about Sydney? you can see on her face where she's like, fuck that, but fine. Like, yeah. I, can get, I can make that happen. Uh, before, uh, before we move past it, I do want to point out that uh, Rory Culkin doing the exposition of explaining what live streaming is uh 
the least natural line readings of all time. Uh, yes. Could have been reading off his phone from the Wikipedia article about live streaming. Yeah. Maybe they no, should have had him do that. That would have been better, frankly. Yeah, yeah. Not the kid's fault, I'm sure. But it was just very funny, like, oh, that was painful exposition. Also, um, I do think I, I, I enjoy this. I'm going to preface this by saying I enjoy it. But uh, Gail, in particular, gets some fairly like corny, uh, but also fun, uh, you know, like fuck you moments where she gets to tell off the person she's talking to. She tells mm -hmm. off Rebecca, the publicist, mm -hmm. at one point and kind of walks away and says, still got it. Yeah. Uh, and like like immediately Rebecca, too. She's like not even let it there. There's not like a Rebecca beat. can still hear her, obviously. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. uh, and, and even though it is kind of corny, uh, I still I think everybody loves it. It does feel like fan service. Uh yeah. so it's kind of fun. But I, I like that they're showing her and Dewey becoming increasingly out of touch with the youths. You know, mm -hmm. she's they don't know what they're talking about some of the time. And like, she thinks she's still a big deal to young people and they could give two shits, mm -hmm. you know, like <laughs> they know she's important and can be helpful, but like, they don't think she's cool, you know? And mm. we see later too, when she's at the party, her trying to dance and it's like, That's Jesus painful. Christ, dude, yeah. like just yeah. stand there. You'll be less conspicuous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that, that's kind of fun. And I think another yeah, way to kind yeah. of show the generation divide, like, Gail's not like the hot girl anymore. Like she still looks, Courtney Cox still looks great, but like, you know, they're not impressed by her. Right. Um, And like Sid, obviously they respect for different reasons, you know, because like, oh, she's like kind of the local legend, but like, yeah, they're, they're not interested in them as women, right. you know? Um, yeah, I, 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 I like the, sorry, just really quick before we move on uh, from the, the Gail quips or whatever. I like in the scene where she's talking to Robbie uh, and the court, uh, the the Rory Culkin character, uh, and she's like, "How about we turn the little camera thing off?" And they're like, "Nope, sorry, <laughs> this is going out to all of my viewers." And she says, "Turn that fucking thing off." Yeah. Like, <laughs> Do you mean? Yeah. He's just like, okay. Yeah. Almost like she's his mom or something. Yeah. Like, like she's a yeah. clearly like an authority figure. She like it's... realized how she needed to talk to him. She's like, yeah. "All right, that didn't work." Okay, immediately goes to. Yeah. yeah. Did anyone else feel like they're like it almost felt like they were setting up uh, Courtney Cox's character to be Ghostface in the future, the way she's kind of obsessing about the like Woodsboro murders now? I didn't, think, but that's really interesting. <laughs> I, that, I felt like they were laying it on like kind of hard with her, like being kind. She was kind of obsessing about it because in this scene, she kind of makes a note that Sid like. It's not Sydney's story. It's my story. I wrote the books. I'm like, yeah, but it's Sydney's story. Like, it's about but, like, her. Yeah. It happened to her. Yeah. You were just like, you like recorded it. But, and I know that she was like a part of it in the endings, but I don't think them wanting Sydney to tell that story is crazy. Like, I wouldn't be like, right. oh, I want the person, not the person that experienced it. I want the person that was also there. Right. That was like, right. mm -hmm. I can tell you about that. So I kind of felt like they were kind of like setting her up like, oh, if there's not any more Woodsboro murders, I'll do it myself. Kind of That's thing. interesting. Oh, I never thought about that. So I could see, like, I, I guess they probably went, they did go a different way, but I was like, well, maybe if there was like more in this universe, it could have been Courtney Cox was the next ghost face. Yeah, sort of, yeah. sort of an AU situation where, yeah. yeah. Or she's kind of goes off the deep end after she and Dewey split up and no one's paying attention to her. And she's like, well, I hate everyone anyway. I might as well kill all these people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, 
I could I could kind of see that. That would be interesting. Um, be and then she's story. like, now it's my fucking story, Sydney. Oh yeah. man. So from here, um, we get we go back to the old timey book cavern. <laughs> and um Allison Bree is there and she she um says all the wrong things to Sydney because she is like, Well, now like uh, the murders are happening again. This is gonna be really great for your book. And then Sydney's mm. like, You didn't read my book, or you'd never fucking say that to me. So she fires Allison Bree. Allison Bree takes it very well. You'd hardly know she was fired at all. She's gonna <laughs> kind of pretend she it. wasn't fired. Yeah, I mean, she's still taking phone calls and everything. Because yeah, immediately after that, she gets her ghost, her ghost face calls, and she's uh, calling for Sydney, and she's like, I'm I handle all of Sydney's stuff and ghostface starts talking to her in the actual parking garage and she lies and says that she's still in the hospital with sydney um so ghostface uh, this is a pretty intense scene it's not as graphic as olivia's like Mm -hmm. she gets she gets more of the chase than the satisfying like ending yeah i guess for her so like she's kind of being uh she gets to her car she gets in but ghostface had, uh, did he take the keys was that the thing or did he pull something out of her car i don't know he pulled something, something out. Made it. yeah He's... he made the car not work. yeah yeah something was uh, uh unusable in her car so like basically she's in the car but she i don't know why she doesn't just lock herself in there but she gets back out i kept she, like, saying that back in. that's what we were yelling yeah at the i was like why did like, she well, lock don't the doors leave the car. and call the police yeah, we're gonna yeah. knife, it's gonna take him a while to get through that it's window gonna take a while to get through the window just yeah. stay there honk your horn i don't know if he like disabled the horn or what but like just make noise you have a phone like she dropped it but she has a phone yeah it's in the car with her yeah she's talking on it she she panicked and yeah go ahead Callie. but i do love the um he's like she says she said she was gonna take a message and he says you are the message first and then like later he was like I'll see you in the hospital. And then he adds, in the morgue, which I thought yeah. was very funny, like, like he, addition yeah. to it. <laughs> he kind of messed okay. it up. Yeah, like he's like, for you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I gotta say, uh, this this ghost face is not, he's not quite all the way there. Uh, with, <laughs> with the puns. The phone puns used to be a lot better. The material used to be stronger. In this one, he's like, she's on the cutting room floor <laughs> her yeah. is. it's like all right man uh you got anything better than that uh yeah you can almost cool. see him like covering the mic and being like oh god that was terrible all right, yeah exactly i think it's i think it's actually the first the first girl that gets killed uh there's a line reading i don't know if the actor meant to do it this way or not i, I think she could have done it a little differently but uh he does one of those stupid puns and she says that's not funny and I think it probably could have read like that's not funny. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like, like what, what else you got there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, as a as a recently christened uh, Scream Four apologist, I have to say <laughs> I, I read this as they are trying very hard to emulate the original Ghostface and the movies, yeah, and their kids in high school. And they're like trying to come up with these witty lines, and they're like, like writing witty stuff is hard. Yeah, and like this is their first draft, and like this is the stuff. Like when you're, you know, years later, you look back and like, oh my god, I thought this was clever, and like I was so (laughs) proud of this, and like I just feel like it's like they are too. Again, I don't want to, but we kind of already said it, but it just like because of who these characters that are i kind of believe that it's like they're not great at this and like those lines especially where he's like um 
yeah where he does that that in the morgue thing where it's just like oh crap because i <laughs> my first thought when when he said that was like in the hospital i'm like what well, doesn't wouldn't you want to kill her like that i immediately I thought that i'm like that's not right and then he's like in the morgue <laughs> like oh wait hold on sorry <laughs> yeah it, only, it felt like a scary movie move because i felt like in that moment on a ferris would have been like well that doesn't sound too bad the, in the <laughs> morgue oh god damn it <laughs> that's not what i wanted yeah that's yeah i mean it's, it's kind of a it's kind of a creepy scene because you know it parking garages at night when you're alone are, are yeah, kind of scary yeah. just exactly by themselves so it, it is kind of spooky in a way that not a lot of scream scenes are i think sure. because i like these movies but they're not scary i mean they're more suspenseful in some way they're almost more like mysteries they are mysteries yeah um, for sure because you're guessing who the killer is but um you know that was a scene that i did think actually had some some scare factor to it because you know I, I don't know as as a woman I've been accosted in a parking garage by somebody before and it was scary like even mm-hmm. though it was the daytime so you know I can see how that I guess just to me that was more impactful than yeah. like some of the other scenes where it's like well there's police outside and somehow he's in the house because that's not quite believable yeah you know? but this one was like well yeah you somebody could stalk you in a parking garage right, um, right. so in you know this one in a scene that's coming later that I'll talk about when that happens did actually feel creepy mm-hmm. um yeah yeah, that, yeah. That, i i did definitely feel that for this and there's there's silliness to it but it's just like you could allison brie does a good job too she's clearly panicking which is kind of how i like i justified her making some poor decisions yeah she seems freaked out um and it's like there's a lot of things she could have done but if she felt like she could have gotten away it looks like she was planning on diving through like a hole in the side of the parking garage yeah Um, i'm not sure exactly what her plan was but she saw something yeah and it's like i you know what like in that situation i could understand there's already you know a lot going on you're you're close to sydney there's a chance you're a target like it's a creepy situation already and a bunch of stuff like that is happening and it's like it almost mirrored yeah yeah it almost mirrored the tatum death in that like we're watching her make all these decisions and we know Mm -hmm. it's not gonna work but we can see from her viewpoint that like there was a light there and she was like Mm -hmm. i just gotta get to this but we're like oh no sweetie you're not gonna like fit through there Mm -hmm. and i feel that that same way with allison brie where it's like Mm -hmm. We know she's not going to make it, but she still has that little tiny little thing of hope yeah. that she's like, I'm going to make it out of here. Yeah, it's like, if I could just get back in the hospital, I'll be with other people and then nothing bad will happen to me. Like, right. it makes, she's just come out that door. It makes sense that she's going to just run for it. Sure, it yeah. Her car to start, but yeah, I don't know what happened exactly there. If the door was locked then or whatever, but. And just... So this is also, I read today that this is the first scream that they don't use the retractable knife prop. I saw that same thing. CGI. And I do think that makes a huge difference because it it looks like a toy knife in the old ones, not in like a, not in a bad way, but it's just like, it does feel a little bit less scary when you see the knife. But in this one, it's like, that's a knife that he has and this there's danger here to me at least yeah I just the only time like I agree with you up until when he stabs Courtney Cox and it just looks like he didn't even hit her and I feel like that was the CGI knife just being like what the fuck just happened but Uh, but we can get to that one that was okay but that was on that's later when she's up in the hay no he stabs her that was when he stabs her but he 
that Ghostface stabs her there on purpose. I know, but it looks like the knife didn't even go in her arm. Oh, I see. It didn't look to you like it actually. It didn't look convincing. Yeah. Okay. So I will say, just to move us along, because we got a lot to cover still. Um, So from here. Can I just say really quickly, Allison Brie should have been in this movie longer. Yeah. As it says in my notes, Allison Brie should be in all movies, comma, and longer. (laughs) Yeah. Her longer time. I was disappointed when it was just like, I guess that's it for her. Yeah, they kind of set her up as a little bit, like they gave her a little bit of mystery, maybe ghost face, and then yeah, they get rid of her pretty quick. Yeah. Especially if she brought like a, a lot a level of comedy to the role too, that you kind of you kind of only got from her and the two cops, um, the comic yeah. relief kind of deal. Yeah. You get a little and, bit with that little quip from uh the aunt, but that's about it. I think Judy brings a lot of that too. Um but it does, sure, yeah. it does remind me of the Parker Posey role a little bit where I was just like, I want more of this. And I was sad yeah. that it was gone. Yeah, it was a bummer. Um, but so uh, uh, you don't really uh, see too much of her actual death until Dewey is um, doing a press release. Gail's back on her shit. She's like, I'm the sheriff's wife. Tell me everything. Dewey, I have questions, not sheriff. Like so, like they're kind of like still in the middle of all that, uh, doing the press release, and then that is when Allison Brie gets thrown from the parking garage on top of a car, um, and that causes the the scene to just explode, and everyone's got like going mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, that is that's a big scene too because it's that's that's to me is pretty creepy that it's like the body falls, it slams on the top, you see the corpse there, and it's just like. Yeah. Uh, very unsettling. Um, so from there, we actually go back to the high school and we are in the cinema club where Gail and uh, Sydney have joined the cinema club and they're kind of learning from these little youngsters what it's like to be uh, back in high school during another <laughs> murder. So that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. What did the, what um, did they actually talk about during that scene? So- like- the scene is kind of, it's supposed to mirror the Randy scene. They kind of split up between mm-hmm. uh, Charlie and Robbie, kind of explaining the new rules of a remake. That it's mm-hmm. not a re- like it's a remake and not a, um, part of a sequel anymore. So there's brand new rules. Uh, they kind of do it. They don't do it in the same style of the first three where they're just like, clearly, this is the mm-hmm. rule scene. This is how it goes. They kind of mm-hmm. split up um, the people talking during it. And then this is when they learn like, oh, we're recording everything. The killer's probably going to be recording the kills. Okay. And um, we learn that, like, all, like we kind of learn the friend group a little better, too, and how they uh, work. We know that Kirby's relationship a little bit better with the movie club. Like, she, like mm-hmm. this is when we kind of learn that she's, like, she's, like, she cares about these people a little bit, but we're still mm-hmm. not really sure, like, who, what, like, what the hierarchy is kind of deal. Yeah, well, She's sure. also kind of a, <clears throat> she's a cinephile dork herself. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, and this is this is where they do the rundown of of calling out everything in this movie that has mirrored the first movie as a remake would, uh, and then they call out also that there's going to be a big party just like there was in the first mm-hmm. one. Yeah, so it kind of tells you how the rest of the movie is going to go as well, at least in terms of setting. But also uh, introducing the fact again, shut me up if this isn't correct, but that this there's possibly a meta narrative where you're introduced to the idea that the party is not the final scene that there's maybe something additional that there will be a party, party but there's something potentially after the party 
Yeah, I think Rory's character specifically says that, like, you know, in the remake would say that it's, you know, the party's the final scene, but, you know, rules are different now, so it might not be. I think, right. I yeah. And yeah. I like how Sid's like, well, why don't you guys just not go to a party? Yeah. Like, <laughs> why don't you stay home where you're safe? Yeah. And they're just like, oh, we're not, there's other parties. It's definitely not going to be us who've already been attacked. <laughs> I, do, I actually it's really like, like that. I really like the the response to her because, you know, in my mind, the immediate response would be like, you know, a, a more trite uh, Hollywood script would be like, that's a huge party. We can't call it off now. Uh, yeah. Something mm. dumb like that. But in this case, they're like, uh, there's probably other parties. I'm like, that's actually something stupid that a kid would say. Yeah, exactly. They want to have like a, a party. Yeah. Like, well, I'm, I'm going to be fine, yeah. obviously. You know, of course, I, I'm going to go to this party, but it's probably going to be someone else. Yeah. Like, Nobody knows about this. It's invite only. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So I think sure that was, was like secure. a false security. It was yeah. like, oh, we're not even going to tell Gail where it was. And she easily follows them out to it. It's not I like know. There, there isn't even yeah. a scene of our, us watching her do it. That's how much we just assume. <laughs> yeah. Just follow one of those kids. You know where they all yes. live. Yeah. Seriously. Like, just go <laughs> follow them home. Wait until they leave again. It's yeah. not <laughs> We're going to drive right there. And then we go straight to the party after that, right? Yeah, so, uh, well, yes. So, Stabathon. Um, no, we go to Stabathon later because we have a scene where uh, Jill and um, Sydney kind of have their like heart to heart scene. Mm. But we know she's a psycho because she has milk. So, Sydney pulls out her, or no, that's Sydney. Jill pulls out her milk and uh, cheese snack out of the fridge for her talk with Sydney. Ooh, so. double dairy. That's not a good idea. <laughs> But she's young. Maybe she's okay yeah, with it. She'll she'll regret it later. She'll regret it later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but okay. Yeah. They, they it's kind of interspersing from this point on between the festivities and then like being at Jill's house, right? Because her mom's like going shopping and stuff, and she yeah. and Sid are kind of hanging out and talking and yeah. yeah. So There's, she doesn't. Sorry. I was gonna say because like I forget does can Jill like is she not allowed to go to Stabathon or she doesn't want to go her mom told her she's not allowed to leave the house okay because I kind you kind of get the sense at least I did throughout the movie that Jill's not like super into horror movies the way Kirby is but obviously she is you know Mm -hmm. she's trying to make this whole thing as a movie so it's kind of you know, I don't know if they set that up on purpose that she's like, oh, well, I'm trying to downplay my interest in this and so nobody thinks it's me. Mm-hmm. Um, or if it's just kind of convenient, like, well, of course, you know, if she's locked down, she can't leave the house right. to do anything. It's not this in particular that she doesn't want to go to. It's just, you know, she needs to be under protection. Right. right. I do like how easy, like, they she set it up. I think probably because she wanted Sid to know, but like, she set it up very easily for them to know exactly where she went. Cause she leaves her instant message open with just, I'm bored. Mm-hmm. Come pick me up. My mom's crazy. And then Kirby's like on my way. Mm-hmm. Like, uh-huh. and she just leaves that open. Sid sees that. She's like, Oh fuck. These kids are at that party. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm sure she set that up because obviously Sydney doesn't know the cool places to go anymore. In right. Row, you know? Right. And so now from there, we go to Stabathon, which Kirby has called Dork Fest, even though she seems to have been. It also, it doesn't feel like a Dork Fest. It feels like there's a lot of cool people there. And yeah, I said like the same thing. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah they, they show... all seem like they're those. That's something that people would do yeah. in high school. Yeah. yeah. When they showed that, like the shot of them coming to the party, it's like, this is not what a dork party looks like there's and dudes like, like literally in letterman jackets right behind yeah. <laughs> like dorks yeah it's like clearly like these are the popular kids are also there yeah 
Maybe she's just a very common thread. Sorry, sorry. This has been a very common thread throughout these movies where they tell us like expressly in the script, but also like they code it with how the kids dress or whatever that like this guy's supposed to be a dork. This thing's supposed to be a nerdy thing to be into. And throughout this entire time, Kelly's been like, no, (laughs) that's not what it looks like. And I love them and they look like my friends. Well, I mean, it is, That's you know, that, that kind of All thing. All I'm saying is she got to that area, which looked like a fun time, and it just said dork fest. Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's what I'm arguing. Mm. It's like, she's also a giant dork like she clearly is like, like she's part of the club that set this up but to be fair it's it they're establishing too and it, that is established later that kirby is sort of new to this scene because she apparently was not interested in charlie or kind of ignored that whole group for a long time mm-hmm. so maybe she's kind of coming into it like maybe this is kind of a secret thing that she did and now she's finally trying to oh, realize that yeah, this she's is like, like oh actually this is okay I yeah. hang out with these are cool people yeah. like but she hasn't quite shed all of those oh no this isn't really i'm not really into this like she's this is just transitioning and she needs yeah. to tell the yeah. cool people like oh it's a bunch of dorks but she's like secretly like this is my scene this is where i'm supposed to <laughs> I be i think she does like to feel like she's a little above those i think people. so yeah um because she's like oh well you know i have this little interest but like i'm also cool and pretty and exactly. stuff and i think yeah, yeah that's you know, yeah. um, what's his name? The Culkin. Uh, yeah. Charlie. Charlie. Like, Charlie. Charlie seems to have picked up on that. Like, yeah, we can kind of chat and we're friendly, but she wouldn't talk to me at school. Right. You know? Previously, she wouldn't have anything to do with me. Yeah. I think we can just kind of call it for what it is, which is that it is a film festival specifically set up around a horror series, a horror franchise. And that, like, if you think about it, like, if somebody threw, you know, like a, a Halloween uh, screening, you know, one through mm-hmm. one billion or whatever, uh, there would be some people who would really want to go to that and have a very good time. And there'd be like a, a fairly large contingent of people be like, these people are dorks and I don't want to be there. <laughs> right. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like, there's some people who would cross over and be like, actually, I like those movies. That sounds fun. But like, others who are like, oh, all those nerds, you know? Yeah. There's probably a, yeah, a group of people that's like, I love those movies. I do not want to be around those it's people. It's like, yeah, like the, the fact <laughs> of celebrating it is what makes it nerdy. Like, yeah. liking the movie is fine. But right. yeah. So anyway. Anyway, it looks fun. I would like to. I would love to go to that. That <laughs> yeah. whole thing looked amazing. Yes. Um, so from here we see Gail. We kind of already touched on this already. Gail's doing her <laughs> funky little dance, dancing. setting up her cameras, looking like the most suspicious person in that area. Like, like I, I was just like, Gail, just play it a little bit cooler. Like, you just walk around. You're just like, yeah, just like doing that background. Uh, what was that James Bond movie where he kept doing that? Like, I was like, you're supposed to be an international spy, and you can't even look like you're not pretending to be someone a spy that you saw on TV. It's like doing the tiptoe walk and everything. Oh, yeah. um, that's how sure she was in the movie. It was like she it was like she was just learned that she was a spy, and she was like, "I've seen that on TV." Yeah, it was, was she, funny. Like yeah. she doesn't try to be cons- inconspicuous at all. She does her weird little dance, and like she's wearing clothes that an adult would wear. Yeah, like just put on jeans and a t-shirt. No one's gonna think that you're Gail Weathers. Like right. exactly. And then wearing the mask was like such a good idea. Like it's just like if you just put that on and just started walking around, no, nobody wore the rest of the costume. It would have been more effective. But she's like, no, I have to have my fancy jacket on. Like, and I'm sure she's wearing heels. Like, 
it's obviously an adult who's there. Yeah, which again is just very Gale. It's like, very Gale. Yeah, she doesn't have a lot of self awareness. Yeah, she's like once she's like, well, I want people to see how nice I look, and maybe they'll think I'm a, you know, maybe yeah. they'll think I'm in high school or whatever. Her camera hiding is so bad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Like, there's one part where she like stashes this giant camera and puts like two things of hay over it yeah. it's like if you took a bowling ball and like try to put a yarmulke on top of it and you, like, it's, hidden. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's homer walking in with his giant hat the, yeah uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And the yeah. undercover work <laughs> all, all of the party goers are apu looking into it being like <laughs> Between you and me, smashed hat. Yeah, smashed hat. <laughs> exactly. And then it's, I love when it, it's, I don't think it's necessarily intended to be comical, but like after she leaves and starts to watch the feed in the car, he immediately covers all of them up. Uh, he knows exactly where all of them are. It's just, I mean, obviously he was watching her put yeah. away. So I get that, but it's just kind of comical. It's like he was like, nope. And he turns yeah. off. And she, her response is almost like, God damn it, now I just yeah. fix them instead of like somebody's going to be. It's like, oh no, he's in there. It's, it's like, ah. Uh, yeah, I mean, she tells she tells Dewey like, "Hey, I yeah. think something's gonna gonna go down," but her immediate response is not like, "Let's get everyone to safety." It's, "Let me go fix my camera." <laughs> yeah, and the way she does it is funny too, because I know it's it's setting it up so Dewey can see like we get that little scare where it mm. kind of copies Randy again. We know something's gonna happen, and mm. Kenny knows something bad's gonna happen. Ah, uh, yeah, know. yeah. Yeah. But like we're we're doing that scene because she holds the camera behind her, uh, looking behind her. And Dewey sees the kill- ghost face coming up behind her to kill her. And he yells and she reacts, but I think it's just supposed to be she reacted for no reason because she obviously can't hear him. But like they, they have a little tussle up in the hay. And then she um, she gets stabbed by the fake uh, CGI knife that looked like it did not go <laughs> into her arm. But she also sees that they set up like a, a super robotic, like really like, top tier camera up there that's mm. actually recording so that's when she finds out they are recording the they murders. are recording it yeah yeah so that's they confirmed that um so where do we go from then here? we go back to the house right and um sydney's it, aunt comes home right yeah, oh, so we're back. We're back we to go. the house with sydney and, and then we ha- also have the cops um kind of doing some um more patrol work is where we're at yeah okay they're going over the rules right and how yeah they went over the rules in the cinema room oh no, are you talking the, about something else sorry yeah the the, the, the police are talking about like oh well you might come back and find me dead yeah in this yeah because yeah we get the classic i'll be right back but then like as soon as he's about to leave we realize he realizes that he said it. he's like oh shit, yeah. i'm not supposed to say that but then they switch it up where adam brody's like all right then i'll leave but then he's like but he had Arcy just made the joke, already made the joke where he's like, you'll say I'll be back and then I'll be dead in the car. And then he decides to go. And I'm like, oh no, now he's going to die in the car. Yeah. And like, yeah. he doesn't even a- get the the gain from that. So it's very fun. Uh, I really like their conversation about how the rules have changed. It's it's kind of the most extended time we get with them. And I think it's yeah. really, uh, it's, it's well-timed because all this other shit is going on. But uh, Adam Brody in his very Adam Brody way of being like, uh hey like you know, like it, the rules are totally different now who knows what it could be uh all i know is that cops never make it out alive if you're a rookie <laughs> and you just had a pregnant yeah. wife you're gonna die uh if you're gonna retire uh in a week from now you're gonna die and like anthony adams is like yeah no that's that's all right yeah. uh, 
So yeah, it's great. I, is it here where they mention like the only way that you can live anymore, or like uh, one way to live live is if you're gay? No, that that happened. That, that was in the cinema room. Yeah, yeah. I had that's that written cool. down, but yeah, we didn't touch on it. That's yeah, something that uh, Robbie said. Robbie, Robbie. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. something that uh, Robbie says because I, it, it'll come back around later. But it's um, they mentioned that it's the very subversive the rules and and maybe the more like marginalized groups might actually make it out alive versus you know the more standard trope of killing off any character you know like that early and then having you know a cis white person survive Mm -hmm. like they're kind of setting it up that um yeah we're aware of these old genre conventions now and people are trying to not do that consciously (laughs) yeah right I mean, we also get kind of like a more comic relief because Adam Brody does his patrol check and he comes back. And then we see um, Anderson with his like head down. We think he might be dead. Um, and then he, it like turns out he's just playing a joke on Adam Brody, which is not a good thing to do in these movies because we not know smart. right after yeah. you make a joke, you're about to get murdered. So um, I'm not really, remind me when Adam Brody dies because I think he dies before. He dies, he dies right now. Yeah, immediately before, I believe. It's like uh, they're, they're shooting the shit at the car. Yeah. And then the killer comes up behind it. And like just okay. stabs him yeah. like 30 times. He, he gets the Randy treatment. Right. If I'm remembering correctly. He just gets stabbed repeatedly. And then we get one of those deaths that every scream has where you're just like, okay. <laughs> that man just got <laughs> stabbed through the skull. Yeah. And yeah. I'm just I thought like, it was disturbing though because of the way like... He just kept walking and Ghostface is like, I'll just wait it out. Like, yeah. uh, he might he might collapse soon. I'm not sure. Yeah. And like, he just kind of like does the walk. You're right. Just like Patrick's walk. He just did the walk. Um, I but thought, I guess I thought was... he did a really good job of trying to he sell did. that. Like, yeah. he, he, like yeah. him trying to swipe at the killer, even though he wasn't in front of him anymore. Like, I yeah. thought that was, I thought he sold that really well, like as a guy who's had a serious head injury. Sure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. I think he did a really good job. But in the moment when he got stabbed, I was like, ah, that's, it's, it's not possible the knife would snap. Like there's yeah. no way that would happen. <laughs> I think like, I made like- Because a, if you try yeah. to stab somebody in the skull, it gets stuck in the bone. It doesn't go through. Yeah. Like- that's, that's- Let's be very clear about what happens. Uh, the killer runs up, stabs Adam Brody in the back, and then stabs him in the gut when he turns around to defend okay. himself. Yeah. And then when he kills Anthony Anderson, who is sitting in the driver's side uh, you know, seat of the vehicle, he just buries the knife uh, to the hilt. In yeah. his forehead. Fucking forehead. Which, <laughs> uh, as Kelator is pointing out, uh, super not possible. So for me, this is the first time uh, friends, I love y'all. I love this franchise. Uh, I'm sorry, I can't get on board with this one. It is, it is too ridiculous it's that he too was stupid. Okay, yeah. hold on. As I said oh, in the moment. On. Okay, go ahead, Kelly. We might be making the same point because go ahead. Are you going to go back to Scream Two, where yes. I said the same thing and everybody was like, "Nah, it's fine." Yes, that is but exactly now? it. We saw a man get stabbed through the skull, through a bathroom stall. Yeah, the oh, but, see, that, but it's different. That at least it has is a different. <laughs> Like, it is absolutely different is. <laughs> yeah but... he got stabbed through the temple which is absolutely a vulnerable place in through... your side of your head a bathroom but it stall. shouldn't have gone through the stall it went all the way that through part... the stall and then all the way through his head and he knew exactly where this man's head was i just that that one is more baffling to me uh, so uh, the only thing i'll say you. about that is 
is that uh, yes, that one strains credulity. This one breaks reality entirely. It is literally <laughs> not possible at all in any physical <laughs> sense whatsoever uh, in any universe. So that's why is for me like. I can't even buy like the heightened premise, you know? Yeah. It is the only time in Scream, though, that I've gone, oh, like audibly <laughs> while watching it. Where I'm just like, most of the time I'm like, it's a completely different experience watching these kills and everything. But that one, I'm just like, whoa, that was an interesting <laughs> thing that just happened. And yes, it's insane that it happened, but I'm like, okay like i'm okay with it like they don't do this all the time and like every once in a while they give you one of these things where it's just like sure yeah let's yeah, just can. let's just do it and move on and you're right kalator where it's just like his little thing at the end where it's like he's trying so hard to fight yeah even though he's just been stabbed in the brain mm -hmm. through the skull <laughs> Believable. It's like it always happens. Yeah, ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous injury. But the actor does a very good job of trying to make it not comical. And I do. I want to say that I did read the trivia with Wes Craven on this one, and I, he didn't say anything about the brain uh, being stabbed through the skull. But he did say that he did research on how someone would react if they were stabbed in the brain, and that's exactly what they mm. would do. Apparently, is kind okay. of keep your motor. Uh, uh, motor senses are still kind of going, but your brain's kind of out of it, and you're going to die soon. Yeah, so he really did his research there. To be realistic after. After, <laughs> the yes. most a unrealistic thing. Injury. But, yeah, it's it's fine. Let's let's move on. I, you know, he's like, it doesn't happen a lot, but when it does, this is what goes down. So I, I'm sure I, it was just like, I was having, I'm, I got the time of my life watching this movie. I cannot over, I, I just had so much fun with this one. And I think it, I mean, that's part of it. I get that this is insane. I think I, I almost watched it again today. I had so much fun watching it. Um, I think maybe that's one of those things that if I watched it again, I'd be like, okay, that's pretty dumb. But in the moment <laughs> I was having so much fun with this movie that I was just like, okay, bring it on. Let's see this. Like, let's just go, let's just go for it. Just throw, you know, throw all the chips on the table. Like, let's see what happens. And Quite I don't know. It's question for you guys while we're still here. What does he say at the end? He says, fuck, miss something. No, he says, fuck Bruce Willis. Fuck oh, Bruce Willis. Yeah. Okay. He yeah. collapses and says his last words are because Bro Adam Brody's talking about uh, the only way you could survive as a cop is if you're Bruce Willis. Okay. And... I, I feel like I've gotten that every other time, but for whatever reason, I, maybe I just didn't hear it this time. And I thought he said, fuck, miss something. And I'm like, what he said? <laughs> fuck uh, Bruce Willis. Makes sense. <laughs> All I got to say is based off of everybody's uh, reaction to this method of death and then also calling back to Omar Epps and how he died in Scream 2, boy, I can't wait till we talk about how the ant dies because I assume <laughs> oh, that's something else. That was, yeah, that was that something, something that made else. me really irritated. But then I realized he stabbed her through the mail slot. Which is hilarious. Not hilarious. The hilarious is the <laughs> wrong word, but it's. Funny Hilarious. to me to think of Ghostface lifting up the little that is funny yeah. <laughs> little mail <laughs> slot. Let's sorry, continue. Let's let's set this up. Even though I so I, I mean it does it essentially sets up just like 
Um, Sid is kind of doing a perimeter check again, and uh, I keep calling her Aunt Spooky in my notes because I forget her name. <laughs> but she um, she kind of comes out of nowhere with groceries, and Sid even is like, "You're getting groceries right now because it's nighttime. I'm not sure exactly mm-hmm. what time it's supposed to be. It's dark, yeah. But yeah, she's rolling in with a bunch of groceries. She, she kind of sets them up on the table and then disappears again. Um, and Sid's like going through the groceries, taking them out. Um, so someone gets a call. Someone jump in here. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember what happens to put them oh, she on gets alert. A call, um, she gets a call from Ghostface, Sid does, while while Aunt Spooky is out of the room. Um, so that's another, like, oh, who's making the call? Because she, like, sets the groceries down, leaves. Sid gets a call immediately that tells her to turn on the news mm-hmm. and see that someone is else it has died. Rebecca's Gail. death? No, it's, it's Gail oh, she's, Gail's in the hospital. Gail's in the hospital. Gail's in the hospital. Yeah. Okay, yes. Yeah. So she she's going through the house, uh, kind of looking for where people are. She goes into Jill's room where there is a very 2011 MacBook. Uh, <laughs> oh, I have that MacBook in my closet. Yes. Uh, I, I have in my notes here, it says, uh, old MacBook and old OS X really takes me back, period. I hate it, period. Oh, I love that machine. It's my favorite thing. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> it doesn't work anymore. It works. It has all my crappy GarageBand songs on it. It's the it's. <laughs> I love that. I love that beast. It will not die. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> so from oh. here they have an they have another tussle. Other people might uh, have more information on this because mine goes straight to Aunt Spooky gets stabbed through the door. So yeah. If you guys have anything in between those two moments, well, I don't think that. Yeah, they're just kind of like running through the house looking for Jill. Yeah, and she's like, "Oh, we should, you know, she's not here." We sh- they, I think, they both try to call her, and she doesn't answer. And then they're going to go out the front, and then they see that Ghostface is out there. And um, this is when Judy. I think I I jumped the gun earlier because I was thinking of a different scene than what you guys were talking about. I think because this is when I think Sydney decides she doesn't trust Judy because Judy kind of comes in like right as all this is going down, and Sydney's just kind of like. I'm going to leave. I'm going to flee. I'm going to take the car. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, she takes her aunt's car, right? Like, yeah. 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 Cause she's like, don't go anywhere. And she's like, no, fuck that. I'm out of here. <laughs> I do what I want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so this, yeah, the, the death there at first I, I was making it like, an, that's not possible. That's a wooden door. Yeah. Like <laughs> when she got stabbed, but then I saw it was like, oh, it's through the mail slot. Like still, Again, strains credulity, as you said, um, but not impossible. It's the issue there is that like, is the knife long enough to kill her through the mail? And it's a it's a long knife. Yeah, like it is a long knife. I again, I don't want to be too much of an apologist, but I'm just I think that besides it just being ridiculous that goes, can he kind of lean down there, lift it up yeah, the little he's, slot? He's squat and and then jam it through there and it's like how does it's just luck that he hits something that would kill her yeah like it could just easily get her arm or something or she could not be in front of the mail slot but yeah which is just again screen two which is just like that guy knew exactly where to stab through that bathroom stall so yeah that was ridiculous let's 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 try to set this up right so we're kind of getting to like a big part of the set piece here yeah so Sid is on her way, use, driving her aunt's car to find uh, Jill. Jill is with Kirby, right? Mm-hmm. At Kirby's yeah. house. Uh, yes. And uh, <laughs> Charlie is also there. Uh, 
what's his name? Robbie's also Robbie. there. Right. <laughs> and then uh, Trevor shows up saying that he got a text from Jill that he should come over to Kirby's for the after party from, yes. from the sunset. Right. Um, so now we have kind of everybody over at Kirby's place kind of in one spot. Um, Robbie, if I remember correctly, kind of gets freaked out. He's, he's generally freaking out uh, and decides that that's when he's going to sort of get out of there. Uh, meanwhile, mm -hmm. um, the um, uh, Rory Culkin's character is uh, wanting to watch, keep watching Stab. Uh, and that's where we kind of find out that Kirby is a big, you know, not only is she a movie enthusiast, but she's a horror movie enthusiast. She's got a huge uh, collection that uh, Rory, a uh, horror cinephile himself, is very impressed with. And then he starts quizzing her uh, mm -hmm. with trivia that she aces. Although, frankly, and... saying who played uh, Leatherface is not that mm. big of a Not really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They don't give her very hard questions, but the sparks yeah. were flying and that's all that matters. Yeah, th this is a very high school version of that, which I do think, again, it's just like that thing where it's like you're starting to learn these things for the first time. You're starting to figure out what your interests are and like go in a certain direction and when you figure that you're figuring these things out for the first time, you know, and it feels like a big deal. So I did, I do really like this moment between who, man, this movie. Charlie. So yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I thought you were like, forgetting names. No, I'm just like, just setting myself up for how good this ending is, but yeah, it is, it is cute. And in the moment you kind of hope that they yeah, have a little, a little moment. There together. is a real spark between Charlie and Kirby and it's, it's a nice thing to see. And I kind of thought that Robbie's more of the Randy, um, even though I think that, look. Okay, I think they're so supposed I'm to split his personality between two yeah. of them. But yeah, Robbie's yeah. the more. Robbie's the real Randy. Yeah. But, yeah. Robbie, but... is, Robbie is undesirable. That is what makes him Randy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. true. And like you can yeah. see Charlie being kind of normal otherwise. Right. Um, like he obviously like the, the hot girls into him. He's not bad looking. And like he seems to be less comical and more like intense yeah. nerd, you know? Like he's not really a laughing stock in the way that and he doesn't look goofy, you know, like Robbie has his little head thing on and he looks like a jackass. Like yeah. he's walking around like that. Like, Everybody's no hard on Robbie. Well, I just like <laughs> no wonder no girls are going for him. Like he's wearing the stupid headset yeah. all the time. Not a bad looking guy, but definitely like, good look on anybody. Yeah. But um, yeah, you he's definitely more of that um randy where it's like oh well you know he's my friend but not right desirable right um yeah. he but... has like uh he's got like an oz from buffy the vampire slayer vibe where he's like kind of quiet uh very artistically you know inclined mm -hmm. and uh has like a quiet confidence about him uh yeah. and, looks, and he looks delicate uh mm -hmm. yeah you could you could see why some girls would be into charlie but not robbie mm -hmm. um so yeah it it, it he's and charlie's almost more like a combination of randy and billy like he's kind of he has traits from both of them yeah because he is more like intense and like focused and he has sort of an air about him but he's also like he's in this nerdy club and he's kind yeah. of scared of girls and like he makes stupid jokes and stuff um so I, that's yeah oh my gosh i don't yeah not gonna jump i just okay so yeah, so there's a, that moment between Charlie and Kirby, and they're watching. Are they watching them? Because they're, they're, they're watching the stabs. The stabs. They're, they're watching yeah, they're stab continuing seven. the stabs. Yeah. Um, stab seven is is Charlie's favorite. He says, and he's kind of like 
distracted by the movie he's into it so much yeah and he's kind of forgetting that the girl he likes yeah. is like right there <laughs> and, and kirby's clearly flirting with him and making moves and he's not really sure what to do so we're kind of like oh this is a sweet scene they're sort of like you know maybe a budding romance and he's clearly very uncomfortable with that she's starting to kind of come into her own as far as what her interests are and what group of people she wants to be around it's a very sweet moment they start to kiss here comes Trevor. <laughs> Everybody's favorite character, Trevor, uh, enters and abruptly they they split up and, you know, they, you know, it kind of ruins the whole moment. So this is the only other, st- like, Trevor's like, hey, whoa, did I interrupt something? And they're both like, Trevor, shut up. Like, yeah, it, just it, like, go it away. takes him a long time, too, to realize yeah. that he's a third wheel. Yeah. Um, I really enjoy you know, Trevor- After Trevor ruins it uh, and then, uh, you know, Richie gets up to leave. And then Trevor's like, whoa, what did I just do? All right, I'm going to go outside. And wow, that was weird as he's like walking <laughs> out. And then Kirby just looks at him with her hands like out. She's like, get out of my house. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. Like, Why are you here? Yeah. Ever. Like, yeah. She did not invite him. That's true. We do. We ju- Now we're establishing too that he was not actually invited by Kirby to the house. Well, like, uh, yeah, he something. thought he was invited by Jill. He says yeah. Jill invited him and we're all supposed to be oh, yes. suspicious right, of right. him. Like, how did he know they were here? Obviously, Jill yes. wouldn't do that. Um, and at this point, Jill kind of disappears from the narrative. And so much stuff happens that you kind of don't notice. Right. Because, you know, there's a long, pr- pretty long sequence where it's Sydney and Kirby together, like, running away from the killer. And it's like, it should be her and Jill. But we don't think about that because I guess we're just like, oh, well you know the main characters here and like oh you know Hayden Panchier is like a big star she's gonna have a a role in this like she's gonna stick around for a little bit longer than some of the other characters but there's a very long section where uh Jill is not present and we don't know what she's doing and not just oh we know she's with the police or something like we don't know where she is and at least in my experience I did not question that I did not at all And question... I didn't the first time I watched it either, but like last yeah. time when we were watching, it was like, at what point is he going to pick up that we haven't seen her in a long time? Yeah. <laughs> right. no, I for, think the... For, for Sorry, uh, go ahead, Kelly. I was just going to say, I think the only reason I did suspect Jill just a little bit in that moment was her very awful line reading of like when... Because he comes in and says, Jill invited me. And then she goes, I didn't invite you. Like... Where uh, I don't even have my phone. Where is my phone? I'm like, that was just so unbelievable. As like, uh, mm, and then yeah. she disappears for a while. Right after that, I'm like, that line reading was weird, and it felt like very fake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as she's walking out, uh, she's like, as she's gonna go find her phone, she's like, I didn't invite you, and then she kind of walks by, and she's like, I didn't. Like she like repeats yeah. herself. Yeah, it does sound very unnatural, but I think it's a deliberate choice. Be, you know, yes. for the reveal for later. Uh, absolutely, yeah. But yeah. It, I, that's mm-hmm. when I started suspecting her just a little bit, and then I was like, okay, she has been gone for a while, and it's a very like a lot of shit goes down in between these moments. So you're just kind of like Jill's just kind of like upstairs, and then when they do see her again, she's just like Trevor never went upstairs. Like that was the yeah. like mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, and that's 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 a perfect transition because yeah. Uh, after Trevor says, I'm getting, I'm going upstairs, whatever, I'm going to find Jill. Uh, well, you guys are weird. And uh, Kirby's like, leave. No one invited you here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So then uh, she walks toward the stairs uh, and sees Jill coming down the stairs and says, oh, you fucking, you know, what's Trevor doing up there? I hate that guy or whatever. And she's like, Trevor's not up there. Uh, and you're like, holy mm-hmm. shit. 
Then we see also uh, simultaneously uh, Robbie is walking home. He's like, oh, I'm kind of drunk, guys. Sorry if like you're if the camera's all messed up. It's it's not your internet connection. Uh, and then uh, as he's like adjusting his headset, Ghostface comes out and starts stabbing him pretty good. Uh, and then we get <laughs> yeah. a call back to the joke that Paul was talking about where, uh, you know, he's about to do the, the, the ghost face is about to do the, the final stab. And uh, Robbie says, wait, wait, I'm gay. And like, <laughs> ghost face I love the head tilt that ghost face does after that. Just like, what the <laughs> fuck are you saying? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it helps. I think it's an excellent thing that ghost face like hesitates. Like, oh, I want to kill a gay guy. And then uh, <laughs> I don't want to be homophobic. And then Robbie says, if it helps. If it helps. Yeah. I love this line so much. This is one of my favorite lines of the whole movie. It made me laugh so hard and like (laughs) such a perfect, like just like, yeah, because you're right. It's just that that brief. It's like, okay. And he's like, oh, okay. This is like, kind of felt like, oh, I'm breaking the rules a little bit. And then adds that little, if it helps, just like, you know, like if maybe like, you know, maybe like, how's that work for you? (laughs) Like, I just. (laughs) <laughs> what a fun and it just to think of that as somebody's last words it doesn't end up actually being his last words but like um just to think of that is like that's the last thing you say just like if it like okay <laughs> if it helps <laughs> yeah uh just, the uh, dovetailing with what y'all were talking about earlier uh his his final uh you know not quite final but he gets stabbed in the gut after that and it doesn't really look that real there's like a rapid a rapid red flooding of his shirt mm-hmm. it's very uh computer generated but whatever it, it's a small nitpick for such a good movie uh at that point we see sid uh you know slammed on the brakes arriving at kirby's house and running up to the front door or, or you know that's what we perceive because they open the front door and it's sydney being like uh you know grabbing jill being like i need you to come with me i need you to come with me again like mm-hmm. the important thing is that she's protecting this person that she cares so much about and she trusts her own ability to do that above all else, right? Which again, cool character moment. That's when we see Robbie approach them from the sidewalk and he's just obviously, you know, covered in blood, not looking too hot, uh, falls on his face and uh, Ghostface isn't far behind it and chases them into the house, right? Yeah, he says yeah, and run I guess... and then collapses. <laughs> and that's another thing they, that someone always, oh no, that's Jurassic Park, Never mind. Um, so... <laughs> This movie is better than Jurassic Park. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I said that no. earlier. Did you? Uh, I did. Because I, I, I was listening to the soundtrack and I'm like, I like this. I But I, it, I'm i not, I don't know if I, that's true. It's just something I decided to say in that moment. <laughs> I need to say something real quick. Okay. We jumped the gun again, or I jumped the gun um, from earlier. Because I guess this is the scene where they're on the roof. Uh, right. So that didn't happen earlier. Yes, I, I am just now seeing that in my notes as well, that this is the scene where Sid uh, leads Ghostface away from all the kids. Mm. She, calls, she calls Dewey to try to get the cops over there to Kirby's house so that they can help. And then this is also where she has the most insane low stakes. Uh, I just need to stretch <laughs> my tippy toes a little bit and I can touch the ground. Right. Hanging from the roof moment. Um, but this is also where, like, you know, j- before they even get to the roof, this is where she delivers like the nastiest sidekick of all time while climbing the stairs and Ghostface is like grabbing at her legs and trying to slow her down. And she just goes, you know, pulls it back and then just does, uh, you know, yeah. uh, you know hidden tiger, like massive <laughs> like karma kick straight to the fucking solar plexus <laughs> and rocks. It's a beautiful moment. Yeah. 
Well, yeah. Uh, from, sorry, go ahead, Kelly. I was just going to keep uh, adding to the plot. So if you got more to say about there. No, I, like for me, I, please do, number one. And number two, I was just going to say that, like, my notes here just say that, like, the here's where all the reveals happen. It's not yes. super drawn out. And I think it, I think the pacing of it is fantastic. Yeah, it is. So there. Uh, uh, oh, go ahead, Kelly. From here is where um, they kind of all split up in different directions, and it's Sydney and Kirby together. So they run down into the basement. Um, at this point, the, I know the first time I was watching it, I was I was very suspicious of Kirby. And so, like, oh. she was like, we got to go down here. We got to lock the door. And I'm like, Cindy, do not go with this woman. Like, you're going downstairs really? with okay. a random woman. Like, I, yeah. I still, I was suspicious of everyone. I saw it in the theater when it was first going on. So Oof. I was just kind of like, not you. Yeah. I trust you. And so, like, when she was with Kirby, I'm like, fuck that. Because she locks the door. And then she goes into another room and locks the door. And I'm like, Sydney, get away from her. But then this is when we see Charlie come up to the window. Ugh. This is a heartbreaking um, and, scene. Yes, I know it's so hard because, yeah, he's got the blood. They, she sees the blood on his hand, and then she was like, oh, okay, fuck that. And Kirby is very smart. Sydney says, do you actually trust him? She's like, "I." she doesn't know him at this point. She yeah. just started to talk to him, so she's like, I don't. And she backs up, and then that's the whole, I think that's when, I, that's probably when Charlie gets the most pissed off, probably, of mm -hmm. this whole, like, new relationship sure. thing. Sure, yeah. Um, and then that's when he gets, he gets stabbed by Ghostface behind him. So now Kirby's like, oh shit, I was, I was wrong. Mm -hmm. So, and uh, Charlie's fuming, but we, at this point, we think he's dead. So we're well, just kind of like, all right. Here, right? Uh, yeah, he's tied to the chair. He's, I think, injured and tied to the chair. Right? But we don't know. And we don't know that moment, yet. Yeah, in okay. this moment, we have a brief moment where, and I, again, going into this not knowing anything about the ending of this movie, this was incredibly heartbreaking to me to see, um, to see Kirby, you know, at the door, Charlie pounding on the door, let me in, let me in, and Sydney's like obvious, like rightfully just like i do you really trust this guy do you know this guy and she's like i don't i mean i like him and i think i do but i don't enough like yeah and she Kirby's... was she was fully ready to let him in until she saw that he was bloody yeah so like yeah. she trusted him to an extent and like she but... yeah and i think that was a that's a really cool moment in retrospect but like in the like just overall but also just like to have that moment where it's just like wow it's like that's a tough decision mm -hmm. but yeah it's like you would even if Harley wasn't the killer like you you don't really blame Kirby for doing this yeah no, but not it's at like all. what a tough decision if that's not the right call well, this is somebody she's known for a long time and yeah like, and it's really interesting to see that Sydney was actually wrong like because she trusts Jill and she shouldn't have right like, she's like she says do you trust him and, she, and Kirby's like well not really and it's like she would have also let in the killer if left to her yes. own devices. She thought she right? If it Jill. was yeah. Jill yeah. instead of Charlie at the door, yeah, so yeah. you probably would have let her in. That is fair. I do think that once again, though, like the movie is doing a very good job of, uh, Sid is not wrong in terms of like, that is a good heuristic. That is a very yeah. good yeah. way to determine your binary choice of whether or not to let this person in. Yes. And keeping in mind that the, the specific phrasing is, she says, don't let him in if you don't trust him. Like, yeah. you know, she doesn't really leave it up to choice. She's like, this is the way to go about this. Yes. And so it kind of removes uh, some of that choice for it's more of a directive. And Kirby, you know, kind of tears up a bit and says, I'm sorry, you know, but she can't let him in. Uh, and it's, 
it's great because like, yeah, you do think at this point that, or at least I did anyway, that um, Richie is kind of that like Randy character in terms of like, you know, he's like the kind of uh, vulnerable nerd uh, who might be, you know, Randy got got in both the first and the second one. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you you think Richie might also be in for the same fate. I'm sorry. Is it Richie? I've been calling him Charlie. Oh, I'm, 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 his I'm, name's I'm Charlie. It's Charlie. It's Charlie. I'm getting Robbie and Charlie like mixed together. Oh, My okay, <laughs> that's fine. I just was like, I, I've been saying Charlie this whole time, so I'm like, crap. <laughs> Go back and edit that's, that. That's so okay. embarrassing for you. We've all been calling him Richie. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I wasn't sure. I get names wrong all the time. So, um, okay. So <clears throat> yes. So from uh, here is when um, he gets tied to the chair. And Ghostface starts fucking with um, Kirby. So she he starts um, doing the, this is the same as Casey's boyfriend tied up mm-hmm. in, by the pool mm-hmm. before. So he just starts doing trivia. But I do kind of hate this moment because, uh, so they do like the the back and forth. She gets a few right. They're really easy mm-hmm. questions. And then um, he, I forget what the question he actually asked is, but she responds by just listing movies. Because she's not even trying to answer the question, but then she f- decides that she was right just because he stopped saying things. I know it's a fake out, but like, mm-hmm. why did she answer that way? Because like, she she's answering every correct answer. Everything she said is a correct answer, Accor- at least to the question that he was able to get out. He didn't get the whole question out, but everything she answered was the correct answer to at least the amount of question we heard. Yeah, in keeping okay. with the with the movie, he's he's saying specifically, you know, he, the question starts out, "What remake of a classic horror movie?" And then she goes on to list fourteen remakes of really famous, uh, you know, classic horror movies. Um, so again, it's it, it's in keeping with the theme of the movie, talking about remakes and, and the meta narrative, but also like, yes, Kelly, you're completely correct. You can't just say 14 things uh, (laughs) when somebody doesn't complete the question and then be like, (laughs) I totally nailed that one. Exactly. She was very smug about it. And I'm just like, you didn't really answer the question. Did you count that there were 14 or did you just decide 14? Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's a tough question. (laughs) I I legit don't know. Uh, Now I want to go back and count, but she really did rip off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so she she rips off all those in a row. And then as Kelly said, you know, no response from Ghostface. So she's just like, I won. I, I won. got it. Yeah. 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 And then I, I said in my notes, I'm like, it would actually be really funny if if somebody did win one of these trivia contests with Ghostface. And one of these- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ghostface is like, like, okay, I'll leave you alone for yeah. today. I'll come yeah, back tomorrow and we'll have a rematch. I like, guess that's what I thought was funny about it. Cause it's like, no way is no matter what she said, like either he's going to keep asking questions or he's going to be like, or she's going to be like, I don't care. Yeah. He's going to know that she was right. It right. <laughs> yeah. like, do you think It would be a super fun subversion for them to do that in one of these movies where if Ghostface is just like, mm, you got fun. me. <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so, this <laughs> yeah, so they, Kirby flush with it kind of feels like this. Sorry, Jeff, keep it. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was gonna say it kind of felt like the scary movie one where the um he asked her if he, she knows where he is and she has his little feet dangling over the couch and she's like, You're oh. behind the couch, and he's like, God damn it, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right, go yeah. ahead. Sorry, no, no, I just I was gonna move things along just by saying that you know, Kirby flush with victory. Uh, opens the the locked door that she's standing behind, runs out to 
uh, where uh, I'm not even going to try to remember it. Charlie, uh, <laughs> Charlie Culkin, damn it. Yeah. Uh, where uh, Charlie is. And then she starts uh, taking the duct tape off of his hands and feet uh, to get him out of the chair. And then she sees like some some shadows in the background. She's kind of hurriedly talking. Yeah, She's yeah, like, yeah. I did it, Charlie. I did it. Uh, I won. And that bastard lost, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and she's looking around for Ghostface to pop out. But as soon as she gets all um, Charlie completely free, uh, he takes the knife out and puts it right in the gut. Yep. He says, Kirby, this is making a move. <laughs> now, that's a, that's not a bad line, actually. Now, <laughs> I did like, um, I loved that moment, especially because there's a there's a panic moment where she's like, there's like, there's so much duct tape mm -hmm. that she's like, she's like starting to run. She's like, I'm not done with the duct tape. I have to keep going. So you feel like it's like, she's not going to get out in time. Like, but it's really that the real danger is that she let him go at all. And I just, I love that moment. Yeah. It's very yeah, good. And then oh, Kirby gets his like little speech, his very incel speech, even though, cause Kirby was pretty interested yeah, yeah. in, in the whole movie yeah. that we see. Yeah, like yeah. I understand that it wasn't like this before the scenes that we start to watch, but she realizes she likes him is flirting with him the entire movie has um the almost scene with him later and they, then he still has this energy where he's just kind of like now you like me i'm like yeah that's how it works yeah like, i don't really yeah. know what you want you have to chill out yeah <laughs> yeah he he says after all these years now you like me now you notice me uh he calls her the hard b uh and yep. she dies uh <laughs> and he advances into the house he sneaks up you know sit we we cut to sid kind of looking around trying to you know see if she can find anybody uh she opens up the door to the basement stares down to the basement and she's calling out for kirby and that's when uh uh charlie grabs her from behind and puts the knife to her neck and uh sid for her credit you know no matter what situation she's in she just says like where's jill like uh, mm -hmm. have you heard no. she's concerned about jill first and foremost Now, Kelly, take it away. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't really know. I think um, this is, we get the Jill reveal pretty quickly after the Charlie reveal, but I think it happens right now, right? Like uh, yeah, Sydney's that, kind of. This is, that's why it's so cool is because yeah. she says, like, okay. where's Jill? And he's like, do you think she was going to get away? And then that's when Ghostface steps out from, you know, uh, like the kitchen oh. or whatever, takes the hood off and it's Jill. This is where and all of I was of the... floored by this. I'm sorry. I was like, How? This is where all of the air in our apartment completely got sucked into my mouth. And <laughs> I was just, oh, oh man, this is a reveal. This is a yeah, reveal. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I don't, I, I know I saw this like shortly after it came out and then I've seen it a couple times since then. I don't remember being surprised. I don't know why, because like when I watch it this time, you never really get a hint that it's her. Yeah. It's only just kind of like in her absence that you start noticing that something's up. It's like, well, yeah, yeah, she seems like she's not around as much as you would expect a main character to be around. And we don't really get a lot of interior scenes of her. Mm -hmm. We don't really get to see her thought process or how she feels about things. Um, so that's kind of like really the only hints that something's off is that she's not really being treated the same way as Sydney. Yeah. But like, yeah, she never like, we never see her like hiding stuff. We never see her like lying about where she was or anything. Um, so, but I don't, for some reason, remember being surprised 
um ever i'm i'm sure i've just forgotten but um <clears throat> so the whole time when it was building up to this i was kind of looking at you paul being like when is he gonna catch on that it's her because i <laughs> i knew you you kind of thought charlie was suspicious yeah but um i was like when is he, there's always a second killer like when is he gonna realize who it is and then you're like oh <laughs> it was like and oh he didn't, he didn't realize it was her the hood off. <laughs> yeah. yeah it was still uh, like huh but it's, why is she wearing this it's very, so cool. Cool. It's very cool because yeah you, you, i don't think i've seen another movie where it's like oh no it was who we Oof. thought was the heroine the whole time what a you know? good right what a, an amazing twist i'm sorry like this blew my mind and like they did such a good job building this up to make that reveal as powerful as it was that like i just i'm floored by this whole thing like when that happened and it, the thing is it's not like a oh kind of thing it's like that person did it it was like a oh wow that's like that's really interesting and yes i can see because she plays emma what's her name i'm sorry emma roberts emma roberts he plays this role in my opinion so well that the whole time you're like there's something weird about her she's not quite there she doesn't quite get like react to things but i in my head was like well she's just not playing it very well sydney's really the yeah she's the hero you know this, this is really a, a remake and this is really sydney's story and she's just kind of like there but she's not actually supposed to be the hero but she's always like just a little suspicious and like the way she handles everything it's just like it's not quite right it's not quite believable and well, can, I, can i can i say something real quick yeah I think yeah it, it, i think it, it it totally syncs up with what you're saying I agree that she doesn't feel quite right to me. Why that is, is because I think they're very masterfully playing her off as the new protagonist. Again, the torch being passed on to her. And I think she's very bland throughout most of the movie uh, for that reason, or at least you can be convinced it's for that reason. And the reason it doesn't feel right is because you don't want her to be the new Sid. You want Sid. Like you never, you never, get to you we wouldn't because if that was the reveal in the first movie we'd all be pissed you're exactly right it's we because we love sid and we want good things for sid Mm -hmm. and we she's our hero but this never they never let you feel like that in this way that's because you don't you don't see any of her yeah like you see her interacting with other people but like there's no real scene where jill is by herself and we see how she feels about stuff and how she's processing everything it's very much everything we see from her as a performance um you know in a meta sense which like oh she's setting it up to be a movie but also like she's performing for all of her friends also like it you don't really get to know her because she's not letting anyone know her she's setting this up to be like okay well first my friend needs to die and then somebody needs to attack me and Sid and then somebody like close to my like a family member or something very close to me needs to die like she's we we see later why that is it's because she's not she's kind of holding everyone at arm's length because she knows she's going to kill them later but like in the moment when you're first watching it it's it is just like oh she's we're not really attached to her yet in the same way we are to this person who's also here and also like it could be chalked up to just not very good acting like because like with Trevor, true. he yeah. doesn't do anything he kind of just stands there and says oh well i got a call or that wasn't me or jill come back like he doesn't do anything 
he doesn't do any compelling acting and so then it makes it more believable that jill's also just not very good at acting like you can kind of just say oh well this is a young cast who's not really yeah. found their acting feet yet it does just make it seem almost like a, a it's like, like not this purposeful is just not it's just very it didn't work out yeah yeah yeah, she definitely shows her acting chops like as soon as like, the end. she turns the end, to like yeah. the psychopath. Like you're just like, oh fuck, she's good. Yeah. Yeah, she's very good. The pivot brings out like everything that's been lacking from the performance so far. She goes from oh, bland man. to like one of the high points, I think, of mm-hmm. this movie. Uh, and I I think she is genius casting, not only because she has the ability to do that, to deliver Oof. both types of performances, but because if you as a viewer are watching this in 2011 and they're doing a remake and it feels like a bit of a reboot like she's absolutely the quality of actor and like the kind of name you would expect to be the next sydney and yeah yes like that's another way that this is such great from the movie itself in retrospect you know after having seen you know, three of these in, in my uh, Kelly's case, at least, you know, I, I've seen five, I guess, and Kelly's seen six. Uh, in retrospect, it's perhaps obvious that at some point the, you know, the, the protagonist might end up being one of the killers. But I think that that potential obviousness in the long run mm-hmm. makes their delivery on this particular example all the better. Because mm-hmm. truly, I just, to me, that I never suspected at all from minute one from the first time I watched it, and then the second time I watched it, I was just like, I don't think they're really telegraphing anything here. I, I think they did a really great job with it. Yeah, you can really only notice it on a second watch. And that makes it a lot more interesting because you start seeing how it was set up and why you don't suspect her and why, you know, in a sense in the movie, the wider world is not going to suspect that she had anything to do yeah. with this. You know, it's it the motive on who she's setting up for it, Trevor, it makes sense that he would want to harm her. You know, and it makes sense that if you're paralleling it with Sid's story, it was her boyfriend in the first movie. Yep. So it's like, well, it's going to be her boyfriend, even though it wasn't actually him. And especially because they do the stew thing. They do the stew thing. And they like, not exactly, because that's kind of the Randy. So that's almost like, that's the subversion. Yeah. They don't even really tell you right away that there's going to be a second killer, even though, yes, you know there is one. Mm-hmm. But that's, I, I didn't think about this. In the third one, there is only one killer. That's right. true, too. And so yeah. you're, then in, if you're going fresh in to see the fourth one, you're primed to think, well, maybe there is only one this time because it's happened before. Right. You yeah, know, because I'm thinking about it in a context of all of them where the, I think three is the only one where there's a single killer. Okay, uh, yeah. I, I haven't I, seen the sixth one yet. But, I haven't um, seen five or six. But yeah, I think you know i'm expecting oh well there's always two killers when i'm watching it this time but you know if you'd only if you'd seen up through three and then you go see four it, the one you've most seen re- most recently it was one guy so you might even until she pulls the mask off think oh it's just charlie right? yeah and what a, that's one thousand percent the case it's oof. it's one thousand percent the case yeah coming off of three where there's where there's only one uh then you see uh rory colkin's character get revealed you're like okay well that's that's probably yes. it is yeah. And then, yeah, and then when she reveals, it's even harder. And again, they don't they don't spend a whole lot of time in previous screams. They kind of draw out the reveals a little bit mm-hmm. uh, in a way that you know kind of feels. By the third one, at least, I felt I, I kind of felt um, a little overdone. Mm-hmm. In this one, the reveals come bang bang, like it's it's pretty quick. And I I love the way that they did that. 
And the, it, it's just, it's so perfect. It's so perfect how quickly they do that and how quickly they reveal that. And just, yeah, because I, I feel like it's in that moment, you're still so, I'm assuming, at least partially shocked by, I know Charlie's a little bit more of a suspect than definitely Jill was, but like, it's still, you're processing, mm -hmm. but they don't let you completely process it before they're like, oh, hey, here's Jill. Yeah. And it's like, whoa, like, just floored me i cannot uh, just absolutely love this like unbelievable and yeah when she turns it on it's like night and day between her character before where it's like she's just absolutely selling this and like just gives a bit gives a performance worthy of the the, the performances i was gushing about in two uh i mean it's just that except it's just like i think turned up even higher like mm -hmm just really sells this and man what a good what a good ending and not an ending what a good reveal reveal yeah. and then yeah. well really quick I, oh I, yeah go ahead. I, I we're gonna spend so much time on this but i think it's because it's so damn good uh and i love the fact that you brought up her performance and the energy of it compared to previous ones because we've kind of as much as, we, as we've ranked the killers we've almost ranked their reveals uh, as part of it, you know, because yeah. um, I really enjoyed Billy and Stu's dynamic. Mm -hmm. Their reveal, Billy with like the slow simmer and like, you know, he drops the atom bomb on her of like, it was your uh, <laughs> sex worker uh, negative term mm -hmm. of a mother, right. uh, who, uh, you know, who would cause my mom to, or my dad to, or my mom to leave, sorry, whatever. Uh, and then Billy, or sorry, um, Stu is doing a much more high energy performance where he's like, you know, uh, spitting because he's like uh, talking so emphatically and doing big hand gestures and stuff. Well, then we get into the later movies, you know, the second one, Mickey is doing like the high energy mm -hmm. and Billy's mom, who's more sort of like kind of low energy, although she's also like doing like the manic big eyes. She's uh, much more controlled, though. She is. She is. Yeah. Uh, we talked during that episode about uh, um, Laurie Metcalf's kind of comedic acting in that, where she's like doing the quick psycho talk. You just yeah, have to let me yeah. kill her cotton. Just let me kill her cotton, uh, which is very funny. But then the third one, uh, poor Scotty, I can't remember his last name now, or Scott Foley, right? Uh, he just, he's trying to do the high energy. He's trying yeah. to do, you took everything from me. And like, we have the same mom and I want her to love it. It just wasn't working. It was not working at all. Emma yeah. Roberts. Sorry, go ahead, Paul. I was just going to say, what a way to make Scream 3 eat its lunch by being like, hey, here's a relative storyline that will actually, yeah, <laughs> yeah. makes oh, sense throughout and actually gets the the real reveal shock that you're we're trying to go for. Yeah. Yes, that's a fantastic insight. And I, I really like the way that Emma Roberts delivers on it because her the way that her pivot happens She's not doing like the super high energy, you know, Tim Oliphant Mickey thing where she's like huge wide eyes and like big gestures and freaking out. She's kind of like very straightforward. <sighs> yeah. She's got energy. Don't get me wrong. She's got the like, everything was about you, Sydney. I had to hear about your bullshit every day of my goddamn life. But it's also like kind of straightforward. And like, you can tell how well planned out this is. You can mm -hmm. tell how premeditated it is by just how matter-of-factly she goes throughout the entire performance. I think it's great. I think I would say she's the she's the ghost face I'd least like to be in a room with, just how much mm -hmm. she's controlling this and, like, 
I mean, the way that, uh, like, I guess let's move forward here and say that, oh, go ahead, Kelly, why don't you kind of take us forward here a little bit? So basically, I've got the big reveals done, and um, now is when they're they're explaining why they did it, because that's what always comes next with these reveals. So yeah, you like you guys are saying, she's like, it was all about Sydney, like Sydney's this and Sydney that while I was growing up, but now it's my turn. Um, but yeah, just like she's controlling the narrative, like you said, um, she's basically switching it all up on everybody at this point, because she they dragged Trevor out of the doorway, or the closet. And they they're, they have this whole thing set up where she's going to essentially pin all these murders on him and she's going to be the new hero. She's going to be the new Sydney around here because she survived all this and she's going through. Right. So she she turns on Charlie almost immediately. It's kind, it's kind of like when uh, Billy and Stu were uh, stabbing each other back and forth, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. And Stu's Billy... like, I think you killed me. Like, I think you, like, yeah. this is too much. Yeah. But it's very, it's way more deliberate with Emma's yeah. character. You're just yeah. like this girl is insane. Like I yeah. like, there's like no redemption. Like it's just kind of like she's we're, we are uh, anti Emma Roberts. Like it's like mm-hmm. this bitch. We're gonna yeah, she... we're gonna invoke Billy and Stu. And I, I want to point something out here, which is that uh, in in this version, uh, you know, we have uh, Richie. Or sorry, did I do it again? Charlie. Uh, <laughs> Charlie is doing the stew like the literal stew get up baby get up yeah he's yeah right trying to get ready for the the shoulder stab and then she very clearly doesn't stab him in the shoulder but instead like closer Mm -hmm. to his heart and then he says that's not how we rehearsed it and he starts dying and she's like people really you know people really love a soul survivor yeah she's betraying him so if we're gonna invoke billy and stew i gotta say they didn't turn on each other they that's true even during the tough times, you know, Stu's just like, <laughs> I feel a little woozy here. But you're like, yeah. they're always supporting each other throughout the entire yeah. time. I think that's a sign of two very good friends. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. And it's really, a beautiful that's friendship That's what it's all story, about. Really, yeah. And it's, it, to me, I was going to talk about this, you know, after Charlie dies and everything and she set the scene. But like, she, the way she psychs herself up to hurt herself is oh, very God. different from what he does. He's like he's like almost he's like doing this too. Yeah. yeah, and she's just like she breathes heavily and then runs at the wall. Like that's that's all she does to psych yeah. herself up. It's like she's very oh, determined. That scene, so she and, takes the knife. Hold, hold on. Oh, I was just gonna. I, yeah, okay, I was sorry. just gonna say like I think that's the only time in the movie where we see her when she's alone, and that's oh. how she acts when she's alone. Like that's who she really is, and everything else she does even when she is trying to hurt people is a performance like when she's alone and everyone else is dead or passed out like she is very she doesn't say anything she doesn't like try to like psych herself up in a way that we would like oh you can do this you know it's very much just like okay this is what i have to do it's done now i'm gonna have a lie down this you is know? the next step it's very creepy yeah. because of that it's there's not really any sound except her breaking stuff yeah and it's it it reminds me a lot of um gone girl which came out around this same time like because there's a scene in that one spoilers where the main character like injures herself purposely to make it look like she's been attacked and does some pretty brutal stuff to herself and this really reminded me of that yeah um and i I think because the book had come out before screen did um so I wonder if that was kind oh, of Oh, okay. Sure. 
I think what added to it too is you always think she's done. Like um, she yeah. started with scratching her face. She uses uh, his oh, nails to scratch her face, which yeah. is freaking intense. So she it's does very that. Smart. Yeah. She does a bunch of scratches on her face. She slams the the knife into her, and then yeah. when you think it's all done with that, she jumps through a fucking table just to add that extra yeah. bit of scratches everywhere. She's just kind of like clearly no one would do this to themselves. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Really quick though, like let's just let's just lay it out because I think it's it's worth hmm. in a little bit of detail, despite the fact it's going to go on for seven hours. Uh, <laughs> the, they drag they drag Trevor out, uh, and, dur- and then she says, "No one cheats on me." Shoots him in the dick, yeah, uh, which is intense, and then shoots him in the head. By the way, the gooeyest headshot I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> oh yeah, it sounds like somebody punching a like inside a watermelon or something. <laughs> Uh, that's the that's the moment where you're just kind of like poor Trevor. Like this whole movie, he's just kind of really like we're like yeah. he's just kind of a dick. He's annoying, and then oh shit, he gets a death. Yeah, right. Uh, so that's yeah. so she she kills him, and then that's when uh, Rory Culkin's character is like very like coolly being like, "We did it, didn't we, babe?" In this one, Randy gets the girl and like goes up and kisses her, uh-huh. and that's when he you know he does you know gets himself psyched up, and she kills him and betrays him. Uh, and then she, you know, kind of turns to Sydney to try to, uh, you know, get that deal done. Sid tells her, uh, you'll slip up. They all do. Yep. And, uh, and Jill just tosses that off, stabs Sydney in the gut, uh, a similar kill shot, which has happened to, you know, Robbie and, and other characters in this mm-hmm. movie. So for all intents and purposes, the movie is selling that, that Sid's dead here. Uh, and that's when now with everybody, you know, taken care of. Jill starts going about the business of making it look like that she was a victim herself. So as Kelly mentioned, taking Trevor's dead hand, using it to grab her hair and pulling out a huge chunk of it. And it's a huge chunk. Oh, that is also, a scene as well. Yeah. Yeah. The Foley on it, like the ripping sound yeah. yeah. is also really stark. Uh, and she, yeah, I, I, it made me laugh when Kelator said she doesn't say anything, which is very true, very largely true, except for when she stabs herself and then she goes, fuck and then she like oh i forgot that (laughs) oh she kicks the the table over yeah yeah i I love that it's a great moment uh to me they spend so much time with her fucking herself up to look like a victim and it makes sense for the movie for sure but it's also like such a long time and it's so thorough it's like a very like seeing how the sausage is made kind of 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 look that is borderline comedic like it is it's really well done and and you're right like when she like psychs herself up to run herself into the wall and into a a, a picture frame so that the shatters the glass and cuts her, her face up she looks like a, an olympic gymnast doing her floor routine yeah she yeah, does, she does. <laughs> yeah. Um, i do i do like the ending of it though where she like lays down next to sydney and copies her motions like exactly she's like yeah. this is how victims lie down so she's like all right, um, I'm done. I'm like, this is my dying about to be saved phase. And then she like lays down facing Sydney and then she like cups her hand. She's like in, in the exact same way. Yeah, she yeah. like reaches out to whole, Sydney. Yeah, just kind of like, all right, this is our like, we're gonna we're gonna get through this together kind of deal. Yeah, it's a literal, it's, like, oh. it's, a, it's a mirroring. Uh, she's yeah. mirroring exactly what Sid's doing and her stated goal, you know, when she's like explaining why she's doing what she's mm-hmm. doing. You know, she's saying like, uh, you were the victim. You're so famous for every, you know, everybody cares about mm-hmm. you. Everybody loves you for being the survivor. I'm going to be the survivor now. Uh, and basically transfer all of Sid's fame to herself. And then like times a million. Cause you know, obviously now it's the, the second time it's happening. 
Um, so I, again, I, I like this the sim, uh, the symbolic nature of her mirroring everything that Sid's doing. Uh, yeah. The only the only negative the only negative about this for me is when she's doing her like her monologue about why she's doing what she's doing, and she says, "Sick is the new sane," and I'm like, "Oh, we didn't need that one." Yeah, uh, that's pretty yeah. stupid. That was stupid, <laughs> but it's great. And the cops, the cops are are coming. She lays down. She makes it look like Steve is the one that did it. She reveals during this entire stretch that uh, all the recordings are gonna are are have been made of all the kills, so that'll look like Steve was, or sorry, Trevor was uh, was uh, filming all of his kills, just like it was predicted earlier in the movie that the killer would do. Uh, and you know, it fades to black. And uh, the next time we see her, she's lying in a hospital bed and Dewey's there um, making sure she's okay. Yeah. And this is a scene where I don't really know what's happening. It's just like, as someone is just aware that this scene, this series is continued. I'm like, well, Sydney's not dead, but like, where are we going from here? I really like the, just before we go into this, just that it's like, this is this is part of that narrative of like, you know, where we got it set up. It's like, these are the new rules. And then like, here it is being played out. Like the party's over. Here's the scene after the party, mm-hmm. you know, this Which is where, get. Yeah. yeah, but it's like, we had the reveal at the party, I guess. That's, I guess the after party anyway, <laughs> I don't know, but continue. So at this point, we're back in the hospital. Dewey is visiting um jail in the hospital she's still in her victim stage of her acting skills she's doing a really good job she's doing a great job so uh dewey's standing over her just being like oh it's gonna be okay um she um she asks how um gail is and he tells her that gail's doing well and she makes um we don't know it at the time but she makes a slip up of asking um i'm i'm excited about our matching um, uh yeah what does she yeah, say? She says, she says I want I want Gail to if I write a book about this, I want Gail to write it with me. Uh and then she kind of makes a little joke and says, with our, you know, we have we have matching shoulder wounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, ha 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 ha. Okay. Uh and then also, you know, uh Jill starts lamenting like everybody's dead. Uh, you know, and, and Sydney's mm-hmm. dead. And Dewey says, like, actually, Jill, the doctors aren't sure about that. It's touch and go right now, but uh, she might pull through. Mm. And I, lo- I love this moment because Jill, you know, if she's doing good acting, Jill would be like, really? Or something like that. <laughs> right. Sounding happy. But instead she's like, uh, but I saw Trevor kill her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very clearly like a little disappointed, which is very funny. Are well, you sure? There's this moment where it's like her whole plan now is like ruined if, because they're like she has to make a drastic move in order to save this. she has to make a panic pivot and she has to make a panic pivot yeah. exactly yeah. so and you do think that she might be okay because he does throw in that extra but she might have amnesia you're gonna have to help her like that's, that's like true. a little extra safety net where you're like all right it could still go jill's way even though we know it's not going yeah to or like, like well maybe this maybe we'll or... explore this in this in the next movie or something right like, almost yeah. like oh sid's gonna now have amnesia and maybe Jill's still going to be after her trying to bump her up, yeah. but yeah, then she, she does the panic pivot and makes a bad decision, much like Rebecca did earlier where she's just panicking and she didn't have a plan for this. So she's like, Oh, I'm going to go obviously strangle her now. Yeah. Like not, <laughs> not put a pillow over her face. 
where it's conceivable that they might not realize she's suffocated, I'm going to leave marks on yeah, her Yeah, I'm neck. going to like, grab her neck with my hands. She yeah. goes and makes a very <laughs> stupid decision instead of like, let's hope she has amnesia and then I can kill her later unobserved. Yeah. They do a, I think they do a, a pretty good job of of moving this scene along where Dewey departs from Jill's room after having said like Sid might pull through and then Jill says I want to see her and then Dewey's like eh, she's not awake. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Stay here. You stay fool, here. Foolish child. Right. Uh, and then Dewey goes to Gail's hospital room where she's recovering and uh, he tells her he's like yeah, she's a tough kid, you know. Yeah, she made it. You know, she talked about how she wants you to help with the book. Uh, talked about your guys' matching shoulder wounds. Of course, uh, Gail got her shoulder wound at the party earlier that night, and uh, and um, Jill wasn't there. So Gail immediately is like, "Well, how does she know about that?" And then Dewey's like, "Oh shit!" Yeah. <laughs> so that's the that's that's the way that he gets put on. Everybody gets put on that Jill's not on the level. I thought I was like. I, I thought it over. I was like, is this a little too tenuous of a connection? I'm like, no, that's it's pretty good. It, it, it's, <laughs> yeah. it passes the smell test. I, it, I like it. So. It's not bad. It's like, you know, it's it's conceivable that somebody may have mentioned it to her, but that's pretty unlikely, to, you know, based on how quickly the events went. And even if she knew that, you know, um, Gail had been hurt, like she probably wouldn't know exactly where it was. Yeah. Just right. that it, it was wasn't good. fatal. And I could see it, even Dewey being like, Oh, that that does seem suspicious. Let, let me go check on her and make sure nothing's going on. I do think in that moment, because I, I feel like the way that that Dewey and, and Jill in that scene, the way that they were playing it, that Dewey was starting to get suspicious in that scene. Like, I do think that Dewey was like, why do you want to go see her? And like, just like, I felt like it was almost like it it wasn't like, not that he was convinced but just like huh that seems a little strange to yeah, me yeah he's he's he got that something was off but yeah not why. some and... exactly it would it was like almost like then he was going to gail to kind of talk it over uh-huh. to be like okay uh, this is paul, weird right <laughs> paul and kelator i like this interpretation because it's a total redemption for dewey there after, you go after scream three when he's like huh my detective skills are telling me that somebody might be behind that wall where I can hear someone screaming and I can see <laughs> right, right. From her pounding on the <laughs> other side from it. Uh, so yeah, the fact that he might've been tipped off by like Jill's somewhat weird conversation and like Kelator is saying, just, just having enough reason to go back and just kind of check in with her being like, oh, how did you know about that? It's weird. Yeah, yeah. I think some of it is not, it's not Dewey being stupid. I think it's, he's a nice person and he expects other people to be nice. Right. And yeah, I think on. Gail catches on, like, because she's not a nice person, so she doesn't expect other people to yeah, be nice she's to her. Yeah, she's going to see So she's the... like, oh, she'll see it when something's suspicious, but Dewey's yeah. been, I think Dewey's being very charitable and being like, oh, well, maybe she's a little out of it still. Like, maybe she hasn't, so she's seen so many people die that she's not ready to believe that Sid might be okay and is yeah. a little like, okay, well, she might end up dying anyway, and that's why she's not excited. Like, I think he's ascribing charitable interpretations to her being Absolutely. a little strange but Gail's like, no, that's not, that's weird. Yeah, Gail has spent her entire career using people. Yeah, sniffing <laughs> that out. Yeah, okay. her advantage. She's like, oh, that sounds like something I would do. Go check that's, on her. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I really like it, you know, when uh, uh, Jill walks into Sid's hospital room and she just immediately is like, oh, why don't you fucking die? Like, you can actually <laughs> almost sympathize with her a little bit because from mm-hmm. the 
from the trope standpoint of like final girls never dying, like always surviving. Like if you're trying to kill a final girl, it's a really fucking hard job. Sure. Yeah. Boy, isn't that annoying for you if you're if you're a serial killer. But uh, so, yeah, as Keltor mentioned, Jill, like get, you know, mounts Sid like, you know, over her chest and, and puts both hands on her neck and starts trying to like, uh, you know, strangle her to death. Sid does the thing. I love this moment, guys. I love it so much. Uh, I'm a man who I spent my entire life uh, with a dad who always likes to shout advice at the movie screen or the TV <laughs> screen. And, uh, literally, and I mean literally, every year of my life where we're watching a movie where someone's getting strangled, he's like, put your thumb in their eyes. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's just so convinced. That's what she does. She does yeah. that. And yeah. that's that's what Sid does. Sid yeah. like reaches her thumb up, puts that's it in, in her eye, and starts gouging <laughs> her eye out. And Jill's like, ah, it's very effective. Sid's uh, dad must also yell at the TV screen. Yeah. No. So hey, <laughs> he seems like a guy that would, to be honest. Like he does. Uh, and I, I suppose if I'm ever in this situation, thank God I'll know exactly what to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. Then, so sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say here's the this is a painful scene to watch where they're fighting and Jill just absolutely starts gut punching Sydney in the stomach with with stitches in her stomach after being stabbed. And I'm just like, oh my god. And she hits her so many times. I don't know how many times it actually was, but it just feels like just like please let the scene be over. She just keeps getting hit in the gut directly where her wound was. It's really effective. I think it's a great, they do a great job. It, it, to me, it's not exactly on this level, but there's a famous fight scene in a movie called They Live uh, where the the two main characters are fighting in an alley and th- this fight has been, uh, you know, parodied or, or referenced a billion times in different media. But the reason why it's, uh, it's, it's so beloved, I guess, is because the fight is so like realistic in terms of they hammer the shit out of each other and like all of the blows look so effective and like knocked yeah. down. Nobody's doing like the the wire foo we were talking about earlier. It's all like very like street fight. And that's how this feels. You know, it's mm-hmm. Sid's going for the eye gouge. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Uh, Jill, Jill's going for like exploiting like her stab wound by, you know, like, her, her, her fist or her knee or her finger in it, uh, you know, just to like make it as hard as possible. Uh, and you really do feel like the like it's like fighting in a phone booth. Uh, and you're mm. for me anyway, I was on the edge of my seat. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, of course, here comes Dewey. Yeah. He's a goddamn hero. And he's going <laughs> to save the day and put himself on the line. And uh, and uh, Jill hides in the closet uh, and then pops out from behind him with a bedpan and hits him. <laughs> like I think I counted uh, a thousand times. Hit him yeah. In the head. At it least. was very Looney Tunes like. It was just very just like, why won't you get leave me alone? I thought I oh, that this. was such a beautiful moment of like <laughs> it's like it, it like gets hit and then he kind of stumbles around and then he's on his feet and then he gets hit again. And he's like turns his back and then it's like she hits him in the back of the head and then continues to hit him <laughs> after he's down. It's just like oh uh, yeah, sorry to Dewey, but <laughs> It's just a hilarious scene. But yeah, so the things are not looking good. Uh, although it must be said at this point, I was thinking when I, this obviously my second watch of the movie, I was like, well, Jill's whole plan is is gone. Like it really yeah. doesn't matter how this turns yeah, yeah. out. 
right? right? Yeah, it doesn't matter how this turns out. Like she's you know a dead police officer, Sydney. Like there's no way to like pin this on anybody else. Mm-hmm. So she's truly in desperation mode and 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 totally unpredictable, or I suppose completely predictable that everyone has to die. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get uh, Gail and Officer Judy showing up to you know then for them to try to save the day. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Kelly hasn't talked much, so Kelly, I want yeah. you to do this thing. Um, so from there, we kind of have a fake out of Deputy Judy kind of saving the day because you think it's going to go way better for on her end than it does. Because she like kind of pulls in, she's got the upper hand, she's got the gun. Um, and then Gail, Gail tells her to stand up when um, Jill's having her a little like she's got she's got her gun pointed at where Judy and Gail are behind the bed. And they kind of have their stand up. And then uh, Gail's just pretty much like, yeah, stand up, Judy. Like, do what she says. And then oh, yeah. that's terrible advice because Judy she's pretty much just gets, yeah. like, yeah, shot immediately. Dewey. She's, she's got a gun Dewey. to Dewey's head. Yeah. Right, she took Dewey's gun. After after she knocks Dewey out with yeah. the uh, the piss metal, she takes his gun and uh, and threatens him with it and then says that she's going to kill him unless Officer Judy throws her gun over and Gail, very understandably, I think, in a good character moment, is like, yeah, throw him the fucking gun. Uh, throw her the gun. I don't want my husband to die, you dick. Uh, so, so yeah, Officer Judy does that. Uh, and then Jill tells her to stand up. Meanwhile, throughout all of this, uh, we, you know, we're getting cuts back to Sid, kind of like gathering her wits and strength and whatnot, despite her condition. Uh, Officer Judy throws the gun over, stands up, gets shot in the shoulder. The classic scream, oh, it's only a shoulder wound uh thing so you know she's probably going to be okay right and then yeah that's when jill tells gail now the only person who's like conscious uh you know stand up uh and I, it, it did make me laugh a little bit when jill is like that's right get your skinny ass out here <laughs> yeah sorry that, kelly. Uh, kelly, back to you kelly uh, i don't i don't have anything right now Okay. Well, yeah, just to finish it out, um, Gail is, you know, she's, she stands up from behind the bed, hands up, uh, and is, she kind of looks over at Sid and she's trying to buy time. And, uh, it is during that time while she's, you know, moving toward Jill being like, it's not too late. I can help you write the book, blah, blah, blah. And just kind of distracting her. This is when Sid is, um, she has enough time during this, this scene to basically cook a five course meal. Um, (laughs) yeah. But instead, what she does is like very slowly turn uh, the defibrillator. Uh, did I say that right? Defib- defibrillator uh, yeah. paddles active, uh, and she's you know again just it's all very torturous and and very slow motion. Uh, and uh, Gail, I think, says, "Can I just say one last thing?" And Jill's like, "What, please?" Uh, and Gail says, "Clear." And yeah. Jill's like. <laughs> Clear, clear. Talking about and uh, God, what what does Sid say when she when she finally delivers it? She says clear. She just says clear. Oh. Yeah. yeah. And I and I'm pretty sure we all yelled at the scheme screen. Defibrillators do not work that way. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> I don't know how they work. <laughs> I'm kidding, but that is exactly what I thought. I was like, uh, if they put the paddles on, it's not gonna. If it doesn't hear a heartbeat, it doesn't go. But it was a very cool scene. Well, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Paul. No, I that's yeah, I, I did like this scene. It was like mm-hmm. a, a cheesy last line, but like it was I I thought it was fun. Like 
I enjoy Well, then that. she follows it up with, um, you forgot the, like, the best, the the biggest rule of a remake and then she says don't fuck with the original which yeah. is a pretty good sassy back line that to is a good line cover yeah. the clear miss yeah yeah that was pretty stupid but like in keeping with prior scream endings you've got i don't mind it thing that you say i'll you know? take it yeah, yeah. so she well, gets she she apply i love that she applies the the defibs to jill's head it fucking <laughs> it's so cool yeah <laughs> this clamp on either side of her skull says clear blasts it and then you just (laughs) in the viewer's eye you know uh, jill's head basically explodes even though it's not really what happens but you're it's a a very big like you know stand up and cheer moment because it 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 just looks so fucking cool and then yes sid gets that sassy line off and i like that because it's in a it's a grand tradition where like you know i I mentioned this in the scream three podcast but like when uh when roman was doing like his whole like you took everything from me blah 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 blah. she just goes like i've heard all this shit before yeah. <laughs> they've yeah. done this yeah. they know yeah. this yeah. speech the point where we can you can attack me and i yeah. can get you yeah yes it is yeah, she, I, I think it's he, sid seems like a pretty humorless person for good reason you know yeah. um not so much in the first movie but certainly later and that's kind of like the only little bit of levity she has that's true like, yeah. <laughs> i've got rid of the killer now i can have my, I can make my little i can make my little quips <laughs> yeah. yeah she's yeah. got her little notebook she's got i've got some ideas for like the yeah. last thing i, I do like notes. how this yeah i love how this ended with the headlines being read without them getting the full information. So they are still kind of declaring Jill mm-hmm. the hero of the situation. So like they're going through a bunch yeah. of different news reporters. They're all outside the hospital, just like spewing the same, like exactly what Jill wanted to hear basically. So like you're seeing kind of the life leave Jill's eyes while she's like, we're hearing everything about her being a hero. So I feel like that was like supposed to be like her, like, Oh, I got what I wanted essentially. Like I don't have to yeah. live to see the other rest. I don't know. I thought it was a cool ending, kind of just like, uh, we don't know what's going on. Here's the crazy thoughts of a 18-year-old girl. Yeah. True. Yeah. We, we also got the continuation of the franchise's thing of uh, of the killer coming back for one last scare, uh, mm-hmm. which is a tradition going all the way back to the very first one. But as Sid kind of like sidles up to Dewey to make sure he's okay, turns out he is. Gail's there. She's okay. Uh, Officer Judy pops up from behind the... Uh, or you know she she's she's still kind of okay behind the bed mm-hmm. and then uh we you know we get the sudden jump scare of jill getting back up and she's grabbed a, a piece of, of shattered glass and she's gonna stab sydney but sydney's got dewey's gun and she just very casually kind of yeah. like whips over her shoulder shoots uh jill right in the head jill dies and then judy's like uh good shot yeah <laughs> Yeah, because there's the whole thing where Dewey's just kind of like, she's behind you. And then Sydney's <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> like, she knew exactly it's what to do. It's second nature to them. Yeah. They're just like, okay, well, now is when this is happening. So turn around yeah. real quick. And then we'll go back to talking about how we're feeling. Yeah, I don't even think, if I remember correctly, I don't know if Sydney turns around. I think she just puts the gun behind her and shoots. I think she she kind of does like the half turn. Like, she can see her. Yeah. Like, she yeah. doesn't like stand up or anything. Yeah. It's yeah. very much and- just like, let's just finish this up. And we also kind of get the the jump scare of, of Judy being alive and she just kind of does like the bulletproof vest and yeah. then falls back over. Yeah. <laughs> so but, yeah, we almost see Dewey kind of passing the torch to her. She's this new kind of incompetent cop who doesn't, she's not incompetent the same way that Dewey is, but like she's somebody who's not very street, street smart. It right. Seems like. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's like, great. 
she's very by the book and kind of uh, innocent. Yeah. Yeah, it's like she knows enough to wear the bulletproof vest, but she can't deal with the whole emotion of the scene. She just passes out. Like, <laughs> yeah. So and in that way, it's, it does kind yeah. of seem like he's he's handing it over to her almost. Right. And we learn later that that does happen. But um, in this one, he's almost starting to kind of be like, okay, this is who's going to be the new Dewey, you know? Right. Yeah. But yeah, so that's that's pretty much it. We, you know, Sid lives, Gail lives, Judy lives, Dewey lives, uh, and pretty much the entire new cast is wiped out, which is kind of a bold move. Oof, yeah. yeah the entire well, um, as it says in her, like, her notes, especially, we didn't see Kirby die. True. Very it was good. in her contract that she would be in the movie, but she would not die on screen. I gotta say about Kirby's death, uh, I I I like what Hayden is doing so much with that character. She says something right before she, you know, falls to the ground or whatever after uh, she gets stabbed. What I really wanted her to say after he was like, "You ignored me all this time, and now you notice me, you bitch." I really wanted her to be like, "You're a little bitch." <laughs> just yeah, just, <laughs> yeah. Man, Throw it back in his face a little bit. Yeah, like this incel behavior will not be yeah. taught. Uh, she she does kind of randomly lose that edge that she has like the whole like leading up to this and then she's just kind of she doesn't have the comeback that you think she would based on who she was the whole movie mm -hmm. like she's been doing these comebacks like the whole time yeah okay so th this is a i think this is a really good time to talk about who we think the movie was pushing the hardest as like you know who Ooh, okay. to think the viewer think the killer was mm -hmm. who wants to start so I'll I guess go. I will. Okay. Oh, go ahead, Kelly. You start. I was just gonna say I think my biggest one that I thought for the longest time was Deputy Judy. I think that they were pushing her the most. Like I don't Ooh. know if I uh, especially thought it was her. I kept. I always change my mind like a million times when I'm watching these. So I'm never. I I'm always gonna be right because I suspected everybody. Um, <laughs> but I I think Officer Judy. I think what they were trying to really push. I think um, Aunt Spooky was supposed to be a little bit too. If we saw what all was supposed to be in hers, because mm -hmm. I know that her role was bigger before when she was supposed to be played by Lauren Graham, and then they cut it down a lot. So I think they, yeah, those were the two big ones: Spooky and Officer mm -hmm. Judy. I thought that this obviously was very quickly disproven, but I thought it was going to be Rebecca, and yeah. I thought like. She's kind of like the Parker Posey character, which we've seen. I guess Billy's mom is a little bit that character, so we've already seen it. But I just kind of thought, like, she's a character where it's like, they're playing up enough where you suspect her, but she's in the background enough, too, that you might forget about her. So I thought, like, if she may, obviously, then she quickly dies, and that's just not... They, like that's I moved on from that one I don't really know after that I guess I just I kind of thought that I remembered it being Charlie so I moved on to that but like I kind of thought like for if there being two of them that she would be the other one at least early on I guess this time when I watched it, I don't remember what my original thoughts were the first time I saw it, but this time it seemed pretty clear to me that they were trying to push it, Trevor, as being mm. the at least one of the bad guys. He seems the most obviously suspicious. Our main character, quote unquote, like the new main character, already doesn't trust him. He keeps seeming to have information that he shouldn't have. 
Like, he arrives yeah. at the house uninvited. She says, I didn't invite you. It's clear Kirby didn't invite him because she doesn't seem to like him. It doesn't seem like anyone would have told him that they were going there on purpose. Sure. So he's, he seems to show up like it really convenient times consistently. And there's the whole thing where like they keep getting weird calls that they think are Trevor initially. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I obviously knew this time that it wasn't him, but that he seemed to me to be the one that they were putting up as like this, we're hinting that it's him, mm-hmm. you know? Okay. Well, my, my prediction came true. We all had different ideas, which <laughs> indication of a very well done script. Uh, <clears throat> I thought it was, I thought they were pushing Kirby the hardest um okay in the very earliest part of the movie uh she points out that she wasn't around when uh when uh, i think olivia's death happened or it was some actually no it was when they were in the interrogation room with olivia and uh jill and kirby says something to the effect of like does that mean i'm not going to live as long as those two uh like they were they were kind of pointing out ways that she was kind of separated from the group Mm-hmm. um and she's she's funny she's a she's a a, a fan favorite so like in that way stew kind of has like you know she has some callbacks to stew in that regard then we find out later that she's actually like a pretty good horror trivia person mm-hmm. uh you know she deals with that conversation with uh rory culkin's character so so with a plum um yeah so i thought there were like a, a, i thought that she had the most seeds planted throughout that it might be her uh, and then I also thought, like Kelly was talking about when she was, it was just one-on-one with her and said, like, don't go with that woman, uh, you know, and uh, and then having her opportunities, even the very tearful turning away of Rory's character, um, I thought could have been a, a good performance on her part. Uh, so I thought Kirby was was pushed pretty hard by the script. I never I remember once... suspecting her, like, when I saw it in theater, like, I I was really, like, I thought, I thought the same in theater now. That all makes sense. And I never once suspected her. Like, never once. Mm -hmm. I was never once thought that in this movie, but it's like that all makes sense. Like, it's it's clear that she would be one. It's not something we've seen. They seem like they tried to have it a different relationship each time. Mm -hmm. And like, it was supposed to be the roommate, I think, in two, and they had to change it. So it's like, this is a perfect way to bring that back around and kind of have her be that like mm-hmm. it makes so much sense for it to be her yeah i just never it never crossed my mind well and we get her. a lot of screen time with her too yeah you know she's in a yeah. lot of scenes that she doesn't necessarily need to be in i guess it, i always felt like she it's almost like she was in it enough yeah maybe that it's like, like she was. she's in it enough that you you are very familiar with her and you have you would get that reaction if there was that heel turn yeah but yeah she's she's not present when all the stuff with gail is happening like we know she's at the party but we don't see her during that time after she arrives so it could conceivably be her trying to attack gail she probably she came in right around the same time so she could have conceivably seen where she put all those cameras Mm -hmm. and then like she's obviously with jill during the olivia murder but if she has an accomplice that it makes sense, which is exactly that. what and happened. It, yeah. it makes sense why she didn't run for help because she doesn't want her to be saved, really. Um, it, she it, was kind of mirroring Jill to the point where she it could have easily been her. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, yeah. We also I, I, saw based on her driving record that she does not take the law seriously. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or life. Or life. Uh, <laughs> she'd be hurting anyone. Um, okay. So maybe we do the killer rankings now? Yes. So this is the final thing for the, each of these. We'll go around and I guess just 
if this changes, I don't know. Maybe this changes previous rankings. Um, you know, I don't as even far remember as... what my actual rankings are. I, yeah, Let's I just do it fresh. I really, yeah, I'm not really sure what order I put them in because I feel like you know, three is very the killer in three is quite tenuous. It's like it makes sense why he would want to hurt Sid. It doesn't make sense why he'd want to hurt anybody else. Sure. And so Kelly, I, I'm pretty sure we still are separating the two if there's two killers we've been separating them oh okay so that don't is, feel like you have to, to put them together yeah that's good why don't you start since yeah you're um okay so i feel like the the one that makes the most sense is billy like he has reason like it's it, in these types of movies well not necessarily slasher films but in real life when a woman is killed it's most likely her romantic partner mm-hmm. so that one makes sense just by virtue of him being her romantic partner we later learn he has all this backstory with her family he makes the most sense. Um, second, I think, is probably his mom because she wants revenge. Um, third, I think, is going to be Jill because her life has been pretty fucked up by this whole thing with Sid and she wants to be famous. It's like, it, you know, it, it, it's not a motive I would ever have, but it, it, it tracks, you mm-hmm. know, when she gives her whole rundown. Um, then, who have I forgotten? I kind of put Stu and Charlie like on the same level. Like they clearly have gotten roped into it by a stronger personality. It's probably not something they would have done by themselves, but you could see how they were kind of like, not so much with Charlie, but Stu seems to be not very intelligent. And Mm -hmm. like, (laughs) he's like, he, he has his best friend. And if his best friend says they can get away with it, he seems to not really think beyond that um he's like oh well we'll get away with it then if billy says it's true you know he doesn't seem to have any sort of long-term thinking um and charlie like is not so much like that he's more intelligent but it's his a lady he likes so i can see him kind of getting roped into it because of her um and then then we've got roman because it's like again it makes sense that he would want to hurt sid but not any other people and then mickey i don't understand that at all I think that's very strange. I, I don't, I kind of just feel like he was a killer in the second one because they needed someone to help the other one. And yeah, and, and it was he, a, pretty much, he was changed at the last minute too. Yeah. And it very much shows, I think I like, okay, and I didn't, I, like, I didn't know that. Um, so oh. to me, when I watched the movie, I'm just like, what is he even doing? Like, yeah, they kind of just, they, th- they did pretty much literally throw that in. Cause I yeah. think up until then it was supposed to be her, her boyfriend, Jerry O'Connell's character. Yeah, and that would make more sense. Um, you know, it kind of sucks for that to happen to her twice in a row. But it yeah, that sense. would make, yeah. I kind of wish they had just gone with Billy's mom or just like, you know, her and somebody she would have known in real life. Like somebody she would have that kind of connection with, even if it was just some guy we haven't seen before. It's like, oh, well, it's me and this guy I paid to help me. Like mm. that would make more <laughs> sense. Um, Mickey, I just, I don't understand that. I don't understand why he was in the movie, but um, no, you were like, how could a man so sweet have done all these crimes? (laughs) Not even that. I was just like, his motive didn't make any sense. I I don't know. Yeah. That's kind of my feelings about Scream 5 when we get there. But um, it just, it didn't, it didn't seem believable as a motive to me, but that's, that's my killer ranking, I guess. Okay. That's a good ranking. I I didn't, I didn't specifically because li- we we I think the strongest contenders I'm just kind of doing top three is still Billy number one, but now I have Jill in the number two slot, and I have Billy's mom after that. 
And then everybody else, like, I, I don't really, like, obviously, we kind of went over him as we're going, obviously, but, like, I love Stu's performance. I just don't, like, he's definitely, especially motive-wise, he's not up there. But I I really like Jill's performance, and she's kind of climbing the chart. She might even pass Billy once I'm asleep on it. I like that. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, for <laughs> me, the way that I approach these things are how satisfying it is mm. to me as a as a reveal uh, and that's obviously extremely subjective, but for me, it's like, it it's goes back to what this, this franchise is all about, which is like the, uh, tropes and the, the, the meta narrative of, of this sort of stuff. And in that regard, for me, Billy is still number one. I, I really enjoyed that performance as well. I thought, uh, Skeet Orr's did a good job. Uh, I really like the reveal of Mrs. Loomis in number two, because, uh, I thought the way that they showed that character all the way up until the reveal was such a, a really great um screening you know she's like this pathetic sort of mewling gale hanger on type character who's trying to be a reporter herself and there's just no indication whatsoever that she has any kind of connection to it and you see her just enough to be for me uh, a satisfying reveal like oh shit she's the one mm -hmm. um and then for me number three is going to be jill i really like uh everything they did here for all the reasons that we talked about um, Stu is number four for me still. I, and part of it is like, it's the original killers. I do think that in terms of his motivation, um, you know, every character, every killer since the first movie is, re is referencing back to the first movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, and Stu is the original sort of like, Hey baby, we're going to get famous off of this. Cause we're going to be like the survivors of this crazy yeah. killer plot. And to me, Jill is doing that. Uh, just a hell of a lot better and with even more motivation because mm. she is Sydney's uh, blood relative um, and and stands to gain so much more than Stu ever dreamed he could in terms of like fame and whatnot. Um, and then after that, you know, uh, I, I think Mickey probably stands out amongst all of them as the most depraved because he's he's truly just an online guy. He's just a he's just a reply guy on Twitter yeah. <laughs> uh, who loves horror movies and he's he is the subversion of the Randy character. He is the, yeah. the he delivers on the premise of like if you're too fucked up in the head from the movies, you might do some real crazy shit. Uh, and so I like him and I like Tim Oliphant's uh, delivery of all of that and especially the reveal of like ah oh, you know when they're like oh, I just found him online. He's he's just a fucking crazy guy from online. Yeah. <laughs> And then uh, for, yeah, you know, for, for me, I don't have a whole lot of uh, love in my heart for the uh, uh, Rory Culkin character, uh, Charlie. I'll, I'll remember his character name at some point. <laughs> but yeah, like uh, for me, he's just, he's kind of a dimmer reflection of the stew motivation. Um, but I do like Keltor's point that like, you know, he is motivated also by like this, uh, you know, romance situation. Uh, cause who hasn't been a 17 year old boy, uh, once, um, I guess only two of us on this podcast, but, <laughs> but yeah. And then dead last is Roman. Roman is just fucking dead weight. Uh, poor yeah. Roman, poor Roman. He just, and he had the potential to be the most compelling of he all, could have been. but they just didn't, they, didn't was, stick the they had yeah. been able to put more hints in one and two, that there was something weird with Maureen. Yeah. Like, I think it's, 
if th there was more build up to like, oh, you know, I've been getting these weird calls and I don't know who they're from. And my aunt says, like, she made some cryptic reference yeah. to our family that I haven't met. Or like, if there were little bits in there that made us think ahead of time, maybe there's something up with Sydney's mom. Mm -hmm. I think it would have been more compelling, especially if like, he's only killed, if he only kills people who would have wronged him. Like, it, yeah, he's yeah. people in his own movie that's not good for him yeah but if yeah. he kills like if he kills like cotton and maybe sydney's dad and like the movie exec guy like if he kills those people his motive still makes sense yeah but they didn't do that <laughs> so tell Tel you nailed you nailed something just now which we were talking about previously which is that uh maureen's character is not very well served by any of these movies the third one especially is, is really bad uh yeah. when it comes to talking about her and essentially casting her as like this awful person who basically deserved what happened to her because she mm -hmm. was like sexually promiscuous or whatever um and it also tie could have tied together this thing that they were trying to do throughout the first three movies where sid is constantly plagued by this notion that she will quote unquote turn out like her mother and it's not even necessarily clear what that means right. like yeah in the first movie i think they do a decent enough job by saying that like you know it sid is scared of physical intimacy and part of it is because of her mother's death uh mm -hmm. and all the rumors about her and physical intimacy having possibly led to it um, but ultimately the movies seem to be suggesting that Sid is worried about becoming like a homewrecker or something. I don't know. It's very mm. weird. Which is very strange because you have to do that on purpose. <laughs> you yeah. know, that's not something you could fall into accidentally. Yeah. It's like, oops. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's not, it's not very well done in that regard. Uh, so I think that's what ends up making Roman's character all, all the worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that is just, uh, at bottom of the list for me, um, I guess I don't know how I view this. I don't know how I go into this. And I would say it for me, it's just how much I enjoyed the endings of these movies. I'll say more than the motive, more than mm -hmm. everything else. And uh, you, you know how I feel about two. I think this one just takes everything that I enjoyed about two and turned it up. And Jill is number one for me. I, was just floored by the reveal and i just loved everything that she did with the performance after that i felt scared of her character like i felt like this is not somebody you want to be in a room with i felt scared for sydney it really felt like that's a situation where like she could have easily been killed mm -hmm. and practically was at least you know jill thought she was killed and the you know just the absolute bloodbath of that the ending of of four or at least that that scene in four where we see all the characters that we've we've come to know in this movie dead on the ground and just very like i don't know like all of that i'm just like this is just and to also to kind of have that be like you know not like unbelievable i guess they they really sold it to me you know that her character was capable of this mm -hmm. you know and sold it to me that charlie was i don't necessarily have charlie that high because i agree with all of you that it's it is just stew rehashed and he is kind of doing the stew and i i i don't know so yeah I, i'm gonna kind of do what kelly did here and just kind of rank my top um because i'm really unsure of it but i do i think it's i'm just gonna say it's it, it's jill then 
Scream 2 and then probably Stu and Charlie tied. Mm-hmm. Probably Stu a little bit higher. Um, mm-hmm. I I just like, as much as I agree that the killer, that Mickey is not a very compelling killer, I just thought that whole thing was just, the theatrics of it were just incredible to me. I was just on the edge of my seat with the whole thing. And I he sold it to me. Like I said in that review where he just came in and I'm just like, all right, do your thing. I'm <laughs> I'm here for it. I don't care. I do not care. Like I would put, I would definitely put uh, Mrs. Loomis above him. Mm-hmm. Um, she's two for me. And it sounds crazy to say three. I, if I watch this thing again, you guys have all seen these movies way more than I have. Mm-hmm. If I had seen them more, I'm sure this ranking is ridiculous. I should be laughed out of a room. <laughs> but I love I loved everything Mickey did. So yeah, I would have Jill scream two and then Stu and Charlie tied. Okay. Nice. Yeah. All right. Let, so one last one. One last ranking. Rank the movies. I'll go first for this one since I um oh I, I guess I already said it. So I'm gonna say four, two, one, three. Okay. And yeah, this is just I'm not this it didn't do like I'm not saying like it didn't replace one for me. One is so important to this whole series and it makes this work. Mm-hmm. But I love everything that this movie did. Mm-hmm. Like I was just, I think they, it was so well written that they just, they did such a good job putting everything into place and throwing you off the scent and making it believable and it's just it was exciting and they didn't do any they didn't do anything that made it feel like they were like more graphic deaths and they showed a little bit more than i'm used to especially for these movies but i honestly think that was sort of purposeful to sort of comment on because they talked about saw four being like oh it's torture porn and i you know that's sort of like that they put that in i think pretty soon before that specific murder happened and kind of calling it out and kind of calling out how new movie operate. And that was the big, uh, the first kill I'm talking about as far as like, you know, you have the opening and then you have that. I, was she first or was that's the main, main, first? Cast, a main cast kill? Yes. And I just, um, you know, I think kind of showing that, but then pulling back a little bit, not saying that those other deaths weren't graphic, but didn't go quite that far, mm-hmm. you know, showed that one, kind of made a point with that, made a lot, like, just hit home on a lot of the points that I think they were trying to make. And if you're coming at it and you're saying, we've got to, we're rebooting this, we're bringing this back, that I don't, I don't know if I've seen anything do it better than this. Where it's just like, we're, we're going to bring it back. We're going to give you everything that you've had that you love and scream, but we're going to do something else with it. We're going to present it to a new audience and we're going to make it this new thing. And they just absolutely hit it out of the park. I love this movie. I really It really stands on movie. its own and it's sad that it, they didn't get a trilogy because I know um, originally it was supposed to be, this was supposed to be the beginning of the new trilogy, not what we have right now. Yeah. But I think this was Wes Craven's last film before it was he the passed last away. film he directed yeah so um i think that's that's what killed the this this trilogy as well but like i think um the way that four stands on its own and kind of set up to um 
to to make its own trilogy and you can kind of see where they were going with it with a few of the characters like i said earlier with uh, courtney cox's character she could have easily been ghostface in this trilogy at some point or kirby could have come back in this storyline and because she wasn't killed on screen so there was just a lot of things that like it was just it felt like a lot of things were set up with these characters to continue and it's sad that it didn't get to continue but it's just like it stands on its own so well that you don't mm-hmm. really miss the other two movies at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is a good standalone movie. I think it, this is... Yeah, with just a few tweaks, it could have been a movie that wasn't in the Scream franchise, almost. Right. For sure, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that that is my ranking. So we'll go back around the other way, I think, Joe. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, for me, one is always going to be the best. I think it's the one that's the most compulsively rewatchable. And I mentioned when we were watching it that... Uh, or when we were reviewing it, that it is uh, an incredible example of just everything working from uh, casting to script to direction to music selections. Like the soundtrack of that one is is phenomenal. Like everything about it is just perfect. And you have to take a step back and just marvel at uh, when so many people are involved in a single project, something turning out that well, Mm. Uh, especially something that is not considered to be like a triple A um, you know, huge studio project uh, where things are very closely managed. Like this is something that wasn't expected to be a hit when they made the first Scream because slashers were so out of fashion at that point. I think four comes closest uh, to that when it comes in terms of like just awe-inspiring uh, quality for something that probably you shouldn't have expected it. Uh, Lord knows that anytime there is a reboot or a remake or you know a revival of an old franchise, I end up like crusty uh when he's like talk to the audience oh god this is always dead (laughs) (laughs) that's that is how i feel about all of these things and god knows it's all we get really anymore with Mm -hmm. hollywood productions the only money now is behind either superhero films or like reboots of some kind uh and this one delivers in the way that paul said which is like so perfectly done and uh and really shouldn't be expected because we've had so many other things fall so short so for me it's one four two three uh and one and four are are pretty close it's just i hold one in very high regard i have the same ranking i'm one four two three but like uh like you said too uh, one is just kind of untouchable and it's also got the nostalgia like i remember watching that as a kid watching it with my friends Mm. like it's endlessly rewatchable to the point where i get with these, even though they're, they're kind of whodunit movies, thrillers, but it's like, even knowing who did it, like, as you're watching it, there's always, like, new kind of nuances to pick up on each character. Like, we were talking about with Jill, re-watching it, you kind of pick up on what she was doing, like, changing your character. Like, it's it's fun to rewatch and just be like, oh, so that's why she was doing that. Like, that's, she is actually brilliant here when I, I thought that line reading was bad. So it's, I feel like in that sense, they're pretty much endlessly rewatchable because there's always something new that you're mm. just like, oh, I didn't really pick up like that. That's why he made that joke or I just saw a trivia thing that like kind of solidified this. So I think with that, like just because I, I, I feel that way about all of them pretty much that they're pretty endlessly rewatchable. But one just especially is just kind of like it's spooky season. It's like I'm watching this for the first time. This is great. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, I guess uh, my unpopular opinions can go next. Um, <laughs> I agree. One is it's up, it's up at the top. I don't think that's going to change ever. It sets the tone for the rest, and it's a great movie on its own. Um, 
I have three, but number two. <laughs> I know you all are not going to be happy about this. I think it's the most fun to watch. Okay. It um, is fun. Does it make a ton of sense? Not necessarily. But um, I always love anything where they go back to like, let's let's do research into hidden records. Like anything yeah. where they're doing <laughs> I said that in the, the episode. I love research. Yeah, anything where they're like trying to track down what's causing the spooky stuff and there's like investigation scenes. I am here for that. So all of that stuff where they go and they try to look through all the old photos and like oh, sure. to figure yeah. out what's happening with Maureen. Like, uh, that's just my bread and butter. It makes me very happy. Um, and of course, Parker Posey is in it, which I love Parker Posey. Um, and love you, Parker. Uh, yeah, and uh, the the guy from Seinfeld. Uh, oh, Putty. Putty. Yeah, <laughs> love Putty. His real name, I'm sorry, I can't remember. It has, I, uh, it's Patrick, and then I just say whatever. Joe knows, Joe knows okay. it. Patrick Warburton. Yes. Uh, it's not, I guess it's really not that hard. To it's, me, just, it's just funny from Seinfeld. We've just kind of psyched ourselves out of it. Um, everybody, everybody watch the new Venture Brothers movie when it comes out. Patrick ooh. Warburton is that as well. Okay. Um, it does have Gail's worst hair to date. So that's a that's a knock against three. It is painful to look at. Um, but that that's not super important. We end like on a happy note for everyone. Mm-hmm. So it could have conceivably ended there reasonably. Um so, I, I really enjoyed four more this time than I did in the past. Um, I don't know if it was just kind of watching with Paul, kind of kind of seeing it through fresh eyes again. Um, I did really enjoy it a lot this time around. Um, and there's a lot of fun scenes in there just for me. I, I don't know. There's something about three that just makes it appealing to me, maybe with all the backstory and stuff. Um, and two, I it two is kind of difficult for me to sit through. Um, I there's long sections where I'm like, okay, where are we gonna get to the part that's interesting again? Yeah, like, where are we gonna get to the fireworks? <laughs> that section? whole thing where he's singing to her in the cafeteria. What <laughs> even is that? <laughs> we had a whole conversation about that, which might change your mind because it changed my mind. Well, it, <laughs> I just I, I was not privy to that. I must say, but it, that's that's painful to sit through. The whole part where they're running around the quad taking people's phones. I'm just like, this is moronic like just go stand near them for a second and see if they're talking like you'll be able to tell if they're doing a ghost face voice like there's so many things wrong with two that i just it's hard for me to sit and watch it okay yeah um but i mean it's i'd still prefer that to many other movies it's just for me it's it's the weakest and i'm kind of surprised they got a third one after that Hmm. um but yeah i i do love three I will not apologize for it. I uh, I love that Cotton dies immediately. <laughs> I love Cotton, Cotton still. Cotton. That's our uh, um, also why I like two a lot more probably than you do. Yeah. All right. Well, I that is we did it. Screen four and it's almost four hours. So I think we <laughs> we should probably go for another twenty minutes here. So. <laughs> Uh, no, but uh, thank you. This is really fun as always, and uh, it's always a pleasure. And uh, in two weeks, it'll be Scream Five. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of interested to watch that one again because I I did see it in the theater, but I remember very little of what happens in it. Yeah, I think did we see that one together, Kelly? We we did, and I remember okay. being very irritated by it. Um, so <laughs> I'm I'm interested to see what I think this time. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, Have a good night, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Wrap you in his arms, tell you that.